like having everyone just talking and then all of a sudden it's like oh we're live oh like, five four three two one uh yeah we're, yeah we've been live for the last like three minutes and all that shitty things he said yeah we got that on camera so. yeah i know you know what pisses me off is like they're always like yeah right before the podcast we we're talking about this and i'm like and i kind of do it to people too but i'm like well i want to hear that shit too yeah yeah, yeah why not get the off-camera stuff yeah indeed so this is my first podcast <laughs> i did the uh, buddha video thing which uh, I tell people about all the time, man. That is, uh, I was sharing the BJJ versus cancer. And it's been nice. Uh, I don't know who your dude is putting stuff out on the YouTube for, I guess, Kama Jiu-Jitsu, the vlog. But um, they put a few videos out, which I saw Buddha videos did that uh, Rene could choke. Um, just a little, or at least it was on their page. Yeah. But uh, the Kama vlog stuff is cool. Yeah, that's our guy, Ryan. That's a cool story, actually. Um, dude, Ryan started Jiu-Jitsu in the early 90s, got his purple belt. Way back in the day, like what he was maybe a blue, Dave was a purple. Hickson gave him his purple, and then uh, he went to Hawaii and um, was training at Helson. Then Helson was kind of gone, and so he stayed at Purple Belt for like 15 years or something. He just kind of fell off the uh, he would train like once every three, four months, something like that, just to kind of stay kind of active. Anyway, he ended up in Southern California and um. I'm going blank on the guy's name right now, but he only trains people out of his garage. Not Chris Howder, but kind of like that. He's just kind of got this uh, cult following of just these like dudes that know him. You kind of just have to know him to get invited to the garage. I'll remember his name in a second. Uh, super legit. My buddy uh, Nick Frakaskas got his black belt from this guy. But anyway, uh, Ryan was a brown belt over there and um, finally found Dave Kama. Kama used to be listed on Hickson's um, website as like an official instructor. He was the Hickson Gracie Laguna Niguel um, main instructor, and then Henry Aikens was the L.A. instructor. So anyway, Ryan finally found Kama and showed up as a brown belt, and then Dave just took him under his wing. He's like, "Bro, you you started back in the early '90s. You should have been. You should be like a third or fourth degree. You should have been one of the dirty dozen. There's no reason that... Now, was was Dave Kama Hickson's first American black belt? No. What was the story on that? I well, always no, that, forget. That, uh, no, there was something online. They just did it wrong. Uh, um, it was Chris Saunders. Okay, so, so I think it was, he was just in the dirty dozen then. Or or what was, the, what was the story on Dave Kama and Hickson and how... Because I know that like uh, Henry is his fastest promotion to blue belt and third American black belt or something like that. What, what yeah. was the story on Dave? Well, um... Let me finish the story yeah, about uh, about the the like who who um, Ryan Young is, but but I'll answer that question. So anyway, this guy uh, Dave Kama took um, Ryan under his wing. He's like, "Yo, you, you started way back in the day. You should be a black belt. You probably should be a third degree black belt. You fell off the wagon." So it was cool. Two parts. Dave took Ryan just under his wing. He's like, "I'm gonna get you caught up, and we're gonna get you your black belt." And then um, he did. So uh, Ryan got up to speed, and he and I got our black belts at the same time. Oh, okay, so yeah, I, I think you just reshared that picture on Facebook or something the other day, right? Uh, wait, like, did you just reach your anniversary of like so many years since black belt or something like that? Yeah, day? something like that. Yeah. I, I, I think in March it'll be six years at black belt, but it will be for he and I. But anyway, he's the one who puts out all the content for uh, the Kama um, video log on YouTube, that YouTube channel. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, the first thing that pulls up when you tap in is author at Kama Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, for Ryan Young? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, I really like his videos. Okay, yeah, because yeah. uh, he recently did a video where he was talking about traditions. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, we don't really do all this. There's no, where did that come from? 
Somebody made it up a while back, and it doesn't exist in yeah. the original jujitsu. So we don't do that. Yeah, I mean it's just very like cut and dry, basic, formal but informal. Like I mean, it's like I really liked all the stuff he had to say in that particular video. But even some things that like we do that it's like, well, why do we do that? Yeah, like for example, turning around to it's just I don't even know where I got that. Like at one of the seminar or something I was at, I noticed somebody turning around to like tie their belt. Yeah. And then I've been at seminars where like particularly American instructors would be like, Hey, you don't have to turn around to fucking yeah. tie your belt, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, Well, you know, I'm just trying to show you respect. I don't know if you're one of those guys or not. And then I've like maybe I don't know if it's you, but somebody telling me that like you don't you were at a gym where somebody didn't shake one of the Brazilian jiu jitsu. Yeah, and she started like, crying and she had to do like a five hundred push ups yeah. and then she felt so disrespect, like disrespectful as a person because she didn't somehow go and greet every black belt on the mat and shake their hand. And what if there's like yeah. tons of black belts? On no, they're like, like in Brazil. And, and that gym, that gym has a ton of black belts, so there might be fifteen. So if she missed it, she's gonna have to go back and do. I think it was fifty per person, so she's gonna have to do like. 300 push-ups or something. It was I mean, ridiculous. do they cover that on the front end? Like, hey, if you don't, don't shake every black belt's hand, you're going to have to do blah, blah, blah push-ups. for like, sign here. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to need to know. Like, that's a, some, some gyms don't, like, tip you off about their traditions, I feel like. Yeah, well, um, you know, I, I used to, I was traveling as a consultant going across the country all over the place, and I kind of found out that the hard way. Actually, I told you the story. I, 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 I usually omit his name. But I'll, I'll say it. I was training with Salo and Janji um, down in San Diego when they, uh, for like six months, I was working down there. And um, one time I was like, Janji, like, hey, you want to roll? And he's like, dude, that is so incredibly disrespectful. Like, and I was really taken aback. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, what are you calling me out? I'm like, you're a multiple world champion. I'm a little purple belt and learning you're, from and you. You're, and you're his student. And you can tap me out at will from every position at any moment you want. No, I'm not calling you out. And I got really kind of butthurt about it, and I was just like, wow. But now that I'm more experienced, that I, I know that some gyms have traditions, some gyms have things. But when I was a white belt, I would ask Pedro. I started with Pedro Sauer in like 95, you know that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, Pedro, you want to roll? And he'd be like, sure. And then, I, you know, in 98, rolled with it. Uh, um, I was up at the... Um, it was the Palace Verdes Academy. It was downstairs. And I was like, hey, you want to roll? He's like, sure. You know, and it wasn't like I didn't get morally bitch slapped or physically bitch slapped or yelled at. He was like, yeah, we'll roll. Or he was like, no, not today. I was like, okay. And then I would look around, hey, you want to roll? And, you know, but it was just out of innocence and just wanting to do jujitsu. It wasn't a I've challenge. I've never, ever approached someone like calling him out and almost 12 years of doing this. It's yeah. always been like, I mean, like uh, it doesn't even matter who it is. I'm like very humble and I'm like, Hey man, you want, you want to roll? Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's, we're here to do jujitsu. It's like, do you want to do it? And you have every right. Like just cause I'm a higher belt doesn't, it just means I'm a, I've been doing something longer than you. And it, it doesn't mean like I have a higher status in life than you, or I'm a better person than you, or I know about more things than you. It's just like, I, I got better jujitsu before you did. So if you want to ask me to roll, I'm like, no, dude, no, I'm good. I'm going to rest this. Or like, actually, uh, Brian and I, we're going to work on technique. So sorry, you know, but I wouldn't be offended if, if some big ass dude or little dude or anybody, any belt wants to, to roll with me. And, um, and if I get caught, I get caught and I can tap and, you know, it's no big deal. That's what we're here doing. Anyway, so I don't feel challenged. Though I will say there are times where visitors will come in and it's a very highly aggressive sort of like, 
I've been in gyms and they're like, oh, you're here to test us? All right, let's see what's up. But um, what I was trying to say earlier is I learned by visiting all these different gyms to really find out the etiquette and the protocol before going there. And I try to diffuse the, you're the outsider. Oh, you're with Hickson, huh? You think you're better than us? And it's like, no, no, like, hey, dude, I'm in town. Uh, can I roll? And I'll get with like a blue belt and I'll just exchange position. And I'll just kind of be chill and kind of like set the tone as like, I'm just here to get some exercise. Teach me something. If you guys have questions, I'd be happy to answer anything. But I'm not here to teach. I just want to know shit. Is it awkward in any way? Like when you, for example, I think when you, so you, when you were traveling going through this, I think that's exactly what we're talking about before the podcast. Uh, when you got, when you went to Inferno, which mm -hmm. are like my coach's gym. Yeah, Mike and Caleb. And I don't think at the time Caleb even had his bike belt, did he? Mm -mm. What's it like going to – because, I mean, you see that more and more, and I know there's some controversy out there with um, the IBJJF or uh, – no, it's actually the Brazilian It was Federation. like CBJJ or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, which is what we were talking about over dinner last night with uh, Mr. Dring. Uh, how they're – yeah, you know, purple belts can't, can't teach, teach, and then there was purple and brown belts can't teach. But, like, in this area – I mean, when I first, you could count on one hand the number of black belts in the state when yeah. I first started doing it. Now, there's somewhere, I th there's over 10, but less than 20 uh, in, in Arkansas. But, I mean, what's it like going to a gym that's like, you're you're the highest ranked guy there. You have been training with Dixon, and it's like a couple of brown belts running class or whatever. Because that's one thing I like about you. You're just down to earth and humble dude. Just like, oh, yeah, I'm just here to train. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, yeah, what, you, what do you do here? You know, I mean, it's very like e equal treatment. That's yeah, how I right. treat my students at the university. It's like you know, one of my professor buddies said this the other day. He's like, my students today were like, you treat me like we're here are equal. And he's yeah. like, well, aren't you? <laughs> like, <laughs> as a person? Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, right. it is easy to let this get what i do and i know you're teaching class more so you probably deal with more situations like you just mentioned with people coming in and flexing their chest i didn't when i was on the floor i didn't even probably notice or get bothered by that as much it was just like oh you're cannon fodder i'm glad that you're here mm. it was it was exciting and now it's just like oh i must protect my my herd yeah you know i'll show you it's not like but it just you interpret it in different ways i think i i think i probably picked that up from dave because it's like yo dude you're here for class like sweet dude uh like show up 20 minutes late 10 minutes late right on time early and he's like hey what's up jack like i'm like hey dave it's like cool man get on the gear we're get we're, you know we're rolling we're gonna you know we're gonna start the warm-up but it was always just laid back and i don't um to be honest um you know, the only formalities with um, Hickson is they line up before class, and he's in front of everyone, bow to Elio, bow to each other, and they start class. And uh, they line up in rank. And um, the only time, it's usually always Hickson. You know, and Hickson is, he's kind of in a, his own league there. But I think one time Pedro Sauer came in, and he had Pedro right next to him, and then Fabio Santos and things like that. And I do think that if um, if I was at a crone class, when, when Hickson was teaching at Crohn's, probably if there was a red belt, Hickson would have had him, you know, the higher, the higher guy there, and they would have bowed to Elio, bowed to the class. But other than that, it's super chill, and um, everyone's just there to train, and so people are going to come and ask you to train, and it's just, I don't know, it's laid back. But that, that's the only formality that I can recall from that. 
You know, I will say this, like you're, um, you're a little bit closer to the wellspring of that sort of information. Like not that many people can say they stood up in front of Hickson and Fabio and Pedro, whoever, and bowed to Petrillo Gracie. What do you think? Uh, that's a, that's one thing I've heard Jiu-Jitsu times and other publications writing articles on is like the, the tradition and the etiquette of like bowing to the instructor. I mean, Obviously, it's like Hickson. Like, hey, you guys better bow to my dad. Like, I I kind of get it coming from Hickson. Like, it, but what do you think about it? is that as a tradition that's f- removed past like Hickson or Hoyler or whoever? That's like it's one of those brown belts in Arkansas. It's like, hey, everybody turn and bow to Carlson right now, you know. And I know it's never really like that. It's just kind of it's a tradition. It's an etiquette thing. Um, but that's one one that I've heard people talk about and bring up and the bowing specifically. Yeah, I've never I've never been in an academy where it's like, hey, uh, actually, you know, we might have done actually, that. Actually, Mark, Mark Caleb, Bradford's academy, we might have bowed to. Caleb had people line up and bow. Yeah, at, we uh, bow. We like we just bow in like to the instructor, but like to yeah. the picture of Elio oh. or whoever mm-hmm. on the wall. That's uh, I didn't even notice that for a long time. A few years ago, it got on my radar. A lot of academies do that, and yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, it pays um, homage to the source of the art. Um, I think it's cool. A lot of schools, um, they'll have Elio and uh, Carlos Sr. Because those are the two dudes. And to Some will even do one, Maida and Kano. Yeah. Yeah, and that's cool. Like, um, it, it just is like, look, this is where it came from. That's kind of our, like, uh, they, these guys figured stuff out and they taught people. Um I guess I haven't really thought it through and given it much importance, but um, uh, I do think acknowledging the source and sort of recognizing and trying to stay on that sort of path or tradition is important because, like, you know, what's happening right now, a lot of um, jiu-jitsu schools are kind of, they are going a bit McDojo, and it's a it's a money-making, profiteering machine, and you just need people there, and if they're for, for like, X amount of classes, you give them a blue belt, and so the quality... And the, the core beliefs are gone now, and it's just a McDojo. You're there to make money. You're running a business. And, yeah, you're going you're gonna to put your heart and soul into some students. But you're, you're going away from the core principle values. And there are some dead, – I'm sure there's a bunch of deadly taekwondo guys who could knock my head off clean. So when I say this, it's not like talking shit about taekwondo. But, like, actually, let's, I'll, I'll just talk about judo. Judo used to be an insanely complete martial art. It had tons of groundwork, and they had this, uh, I think it was Aikijitsu and then Judo competition, and then the judo, judo guys lost because these guys did all these leg locks. And so, or No, they went, niwa, they went on the ground, they did groundwork, and were training that, and these judo guys got their ass kicked, so they're like, cool, we got to work on that. But it was real, and it was like, cool, we're here to fight, and we're here for self-defense, and we're here to like... And if you look at the old Judo texts, they have strikes, and some of the original Tiwaza. Yeah. So they had that. And then they had uh, Niwaza, groundwork. And then they had Tachiwaza, the throws. They had all that stuff. And it was very complete. But then it kind of got in the hands of the Olympics. And the Olympics doesn't want to watch people do jujitsu or, like, I'm sorry, groundwork for a real long time. They want quick stand ups. They want throws. They want either a quick pin or a fast throw. And so it went from being a complete martial art to. I want my competitors to win the most prestigious tournaments, and that's now in the Olympics. So we're going to forget all that body of knowledge, and we're only going to focus on what's uh, like most prestigious. And that's exactly what's happening in jiu-jitsu right now, is that you specifically have the IBJJF. It does not give a shit about self-defense. 
because they have a point system, they have their stuff, they have their rules, and you're going to bend and use and manipulate the rules as much as you can, and you're going to wrap the lapel around so many things, and you can do this and that. It would never work in a fight ever. But if you win and you're an IBJJF uh, um, uh, champion, then you're the most prestigious guy in town. So then you're going to start training all your guys. You're like, yeah, 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 we, we, we teach self-defense, of course. So do one week of um, headlock escape. Good, you got that. Also. You're a master of that stuff. Okay, now let's get into the, the, the jujitsu. And then let's do spider guard. And he take the lapel and let's do that. And even with the um, like leg locks are highly effective. But um, we'll, we'll see how this uh, leg lock evolution goes. And if people can figure out how to really, really implement it in not UFC rules, but full-blown... Um, because I don't think you can kick a guy in the face if you're both in like a, a 50-50 guard Correct. in the UFC. You can't come down and start heel stomping a guy in the face and kick it as he's trying to lock stuff up. So anymore, that's uh, yeah. what isn't that how y- uh, Yuki Nakai lost his his eye? He got kicked in the face. It wasn't do, that uh, the I thought it was uh, Gerard. Yeah, he locked up the thing and he got like face stomped. Yeah, and so not to say that you can't evolve that technique to have it really work in a, a no rules fight, but. Um, but when you impose these artificial rules or tournament rules for like sport jiu-jitsu or artificial rules for like UFC, um, anyway, the just the real like gnarly actual fight part of it gets lost. Anyway, so that's, that's my rant on that. We don't have to talk jiu-jitsu the whole time, but obviously it's a big passion of both of us. No, I mean, it is. I mean, we're definitely going to talk about Skrillex too. Yep. I body slammed him one time. <laughs> Here we are back on jujitsu and Skrillex at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, I remember last time or the time before last, we we're in California. Uh, we we're like going to the pyramid and uh, the what? The, the the pyramid where Worlds is oh, at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Walter yeah. Pyramid or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you were like, you said something. You're like, yeah. Oh, we were listening to Skrillex. That was in the yeah, car or something. Yeah, in Biebs or yeah. something. And yeah. you were telling some funny <laughs> stories. And uh-huh. then uh, we were having some in and out Burger. And you're like, yeah, Sonny. And I'm thinking you're talking. I'm like, Sonny, that's got to be like Sonny I don't and know, some, some jujitsu dude up here that you yeah. train with, one yeah. of your students. And you're yeah. like, oh, I uh, mean Skrillex. Yeah. Sonny is Skrillex. Yeah. So crazy story about that. Actually, I got two funny stories. That le- like, this is how I try to tell this, the story about meeting Skrillex. Um. I was at this cafe one time in Hollywood, and I, I, I like the emo kids are for me and my generation. Those were the goth kids, and I never really understood that or got along with them particularly. And I was just kind of like a punk rock skater kid, so the goth thing and being all like, I don't know, oh, I want to kill myself, and uh, wasn't really my uh, jam. I would pull my bangs in my face, but <laughs> but I, my I, I might out. I might assault you. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so. The these two emo kids sit down and I look at them. I'm like, man, I just, I, I freaking hate emo kids. And then I was like, you know what? I bet they're actually good kids, and I'm I'm actually being prejudiced. And I realized that about myself. I'm like, I have prejudged and determined who these kids are without ever talking to them once. And they had this is before skinny jeans were a thing, but they had like women's jeans on, like sagged down, super tight, hair in their face, and they're just like. Bleh. And I was like, that is stereotypical. You hit the nail right on the head there, sir. Yeah. And, uh, but I, even though that they fit that stereotype, didn't mean that's who they were as a person. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go talk to these kids. So I sit down. I'm like, I know for a fact I have something in common. And I was like, maybe 28 years old, maybe 25, something like that. And these kids were like 16, 17. I'm like, there's something I have in common with these kids. 
like, what kind of music do you listen to? And they're like, oh, like emo and screamo. I'm like, name some bands. And they named like 40 bands that I've never heard of. And then um, it's funny because at this cafe, Elvis was playing in the background, right? And I look at the one kid. I was like, yeah, you, well, you look like a massive Elvis fan. And then they kind of give each other this look. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm now the creepy old dude who's just like, I'm like that guy. And I was just like, I guess I'm going to embrace it. But they just had this look like, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm not. I should probably just walk away from this conversation. I was like, what was that look? Like, nothing. And I was like, no, what was the look? He's like, tell him, dude. It's like, it's funny that you said that. I'm Elvis's grandkid. And I was like, what? what? I was like, oh, that's, that's freaking crazy. And he's like, yeah, and I, like, I play guitar, or I forget it was guitar. He's like, I play guitar, I play drums. And he's like, I play drums, we're in a band. And I was like, oh, shit, so you guys are musicians. You're not just fans of music? And like, yeah. And then we just started talking about music. And they were really just fascinating kids. Uh, and, you know, people, humans. They were just, like, fascinating. And I was like, wow. I went from totally thinking I knew exactly who they were to being like, wait, what? You what? And then finding that they're really creative, they write songs, they're in a band, they do all this stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. So fast forward, I'm in this uh, shitty building in downtown LA, I'm living there, and this piece of shit, suicidal, horrible human being who's probably going to kill himself and maybe a few of his friends and a couple of the innocent bystanders moves into my building. He's got long, scraggly hair. He's like, Meh, like walking around. Is that I perceive him. And then I was like, oh, I'm being prejudiced again. But I always introduce myself to my neighbors. I just moved to a new place uh, last week. Knocked on the neighbor's door. Hey, I'm Jack. I'm your neighbor. If you need anything, give me a call. Like, whatever. My music's too loud. Here's, like, just please let me know. I always try to stay in touch with my environment, right? So I knock on this suicidal, um, maniac, a depressed, um, sociopathic, emo horrible kid. emo kid. And I was like... Like, here I am. Duck, 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 duck. And he's like, hey, what's up? I was like, oh, hey. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm your neighbor. I just wanted to welcome you to the building. I'm on unit five, and you're in 12 over here. But he's like, dude, that's great, man. Hey, I, I really like that you introduced yourself. Dude, my name's Sonny. Like, come in, come in, check this out. He's like, I'm doing this remodel. I'm building this thing here. And like, check out this wall. And he had this massive wall painted turquoise with like a, a 10 foot by 10 foot awesome painting. It's like, dude, you want a drink? Like, check it out. Da, da, da. He's like, man, anytime you want to come and say what's up, like that'd be cool. It's like, that is not what I expected. Anyway, that, that he left the, a band called From First to Last, and it was right. It was like that was about two years before he became yeah, Skrillex. Yeah. And so we would just hang out, and I just liked his energy and his enthusiasm for life, and he was just like really in, like in touch and in com good communication, and like a n really nice person. And so I further learned that I was really prejudging people. Like, it was prejudice, you know? I had a predetermined opinion without ever having met someone. So, like, uh, what do you, I mean, you just notice in the restaurant through introspection that you, you're being a judgmental asshole and call yourself out on it and, yeah. and go work through it right there on the spot? Yeah. Here, you know, I actually have a rule in life is, like, if I feel uncomfortable, like, I'm going to push myself in that. So I used to like you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, but as a teenager I was like a complete introvert, and I was like, "Cool, that's a big weakness in my life. I gotta go talk to people." And so like I was I was too, man. I was super shy. I was homeschooled till eighth grade, and uh, I don't know like certain people I could talk to, but like in social situations, I never I never quite knew how to how to act. And uh, 
I mean, I feel like I'm totally over it now. I yeah. Mean, no, you're outgoing. You're chill. Periodically, I'll be in some sort of weird environment or something or like out of town in a weird environment. But for the most part, I've traveled Like in Arkansas now. at a bar where people come up, fart on you <laughs> and like <laughs> try to play pool. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Fuck yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that uh, I will say that's... Um, just the times that we've gone out together, you're definitely no, you, you never meet a stranger. You just, we'll be talking and you'll say, Hey, do you want to be in this conversation? Strike yeah. up a conversation with somebody, which can backfire on you, I'm sure. But. Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, I, I guess I am introspective in that regard where, you know, self aware enough to know, like, hey, that's, uh, that's kind of like, that's unusual about myself. Like, why, huh? And then I'll just try to work through it or just go do it. Yeah. I'm not like super introspective where I just think about my behavior and think about reasons and think and think and think. I, 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 I'm much more extroverted, but I do have the ability to look at myself and go like, what's that about? And then, you know. But anyway, so I just decided to go talk to people. I'm in sales now, so I, I make money literally talking to strangers. I'll talk to a group of 20, 30 people, have them come to the office. And within you know, probably 30 minutes, I have all of their financial statements. I've got their social security number. I've got, you know, I've got all this stuff. And so for me, that's real normal just to engage with people and ask them questions. And it's kind of funny in sales, there's this rule like if you don't get inside someone's bubble, like their comfort zone, if you don't kind of like penetrate or impinge across that line, you're not going to move. Um, you're not, you're, you're not going to make a sale because everyone has this like, sales resistance and everyone knows that you don't ask about finances everyone knows you don't ask social security numbers so you're backed off but if you don't go get that information you can't actually improve the person's situation so it's out of place from caring or getting your job done and like helping them improve their situation you have to you have to push through that you know like a good friend who might have trouble you're like that's eh, his life i you know I don't, I don't mess with that but you might actually if you really care about the person like dude you're acting weird like the last couple of days like what's up no, no no i'm fine like no dude like something's going on with you what is it and then th- we're socially taught to avoid that you know like no no it's his life it's his so you kind of like, have to... i'm like that with students at the gym a lot of times like because you care yeah you don't want to you don't want to rub them the wrong way but you clearly see that they're jacking stuff up for either other people or the culture of the gym or or what have you or themselves outside of the gym inside the gym as yeah. a teammate and it's like I've I've had several times over the years avoid it's like you let it build up and you let it build up because you don't want to have those awkward mm-hmm. conversations about yeah. hey what what's going on here you yeah know? yeah I was at this gym uh, my friend's friend's gym I'm not gonna say the name of it but this one kid I mean he he was a good kid he was in there training but there was a couple times where I don't know what he was high on but. It was like he was almost borderline in a seizure or just tripping balls so hard. He was just kind of like. And so after seeing this twice, I was like, you know, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know who you are. I don't, you know, I knew him. I knew him for like a year, but I'm like, I think you might want to stop doing that drug because I'm actually genuine concerned for your well-being. And um, like, I don't like you're pushing it kind of far. And um, it was funny, like, I'm not trying to control his life. I'm not trying to tell him what to do as a man, anything like that. But he was so thankful. He's like, man, thanks. Yeah, good looking out. Thanks. And then three months later, and I hadn't seen him for three months, 
he sent me a message on Facebook. He's like, dude, nobody really called me out on that, and I appreciate it. And then still, another year later, it was like, man, I really like that you cared about me and you were worried about me, and that, that meant a lot to me. So I don't know if he changed the course or not, but um, just that care factor. Like if you see a student of yours and you know, and they're kind of exhibiting something, and if they don't want help, cool. But I feel like it's irresponsible just to have like a, a group member or friend and just watch them trash their life, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, uh, you know, more and more it's become, uh, and this uh, I'm sure international issue, but especially nationwide is uh, opiates, opioids. Yeah. Uh, people, and I'm not saying that that's what this dude was on. I don't know what he was on. But uh, yeah, I don't that's know. Uh, one thing that, uh, that that will do to you is it makes things like, uh, and I'm not speaking from a point of experience on this, but um, it makes things like rolling and learning and thinking about stuff more enjoyable, I guess. Mm-hmm. But when you, when it starts wearing off, you or when it when it hits in super strong, either one. And again, I'm not, I don't have enough experience with it, but it's like you literally are just nodding off, just like, yeah. Like you could be, we could be sitting here having a conversation. And the next thing you know, I'm just, yeah. High as a kite, just off in your own dream world. Just tripping, basically. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, this the stuff that's going on with fentanyl. And I was just going to bring me, that up. Yeah, There's like, fentanyl, which is like a thousand times more powerful than I think opium or maybe heroin. And then maybe it's like maybe it's a thousand times more powerful than oxycotton or something like that. I think that. that's what it is. Or Vicodin. I forget so what it it's, is. It's super powerful, way more than anything. But now they have this it. other one that's it. There's fentanyl, and then it's like. Turbo fentanyl on steroids is this new one. I've heard about it. Like, yeah. like, like, just like a, a tiny little grain. Like, yeah, a, a grain of sand is pretty much enough to give you an overdose. And the, I guess they're making that in China, and they're cutting it with the opium. Yeah, the opium and shit that's here. So um, you don't, you you can't really gauge. You, you know, they want to make it like a, a good high, so they'll they'll add that shit to it. But then. Maybe they did two grains of salt instead of one, and then you go, well, normally, the, my dealer normally gives me this stuff. I probably could take that same quantity from this this guy, and then it had two grains of fentanyl in it, and then they, they OD and they die. And I think it's like 60,000 people a day die. Or not, oh or gosh. I forget, or maybe it's a year from opioid um, abuse. Uh, you ever watch any, uh, you watch Vice? No. Yeah, I've seen a few, yeah, a few Vice episodes. They are so good about raising awareness. They've done little short spots on like opiate addiction i think i saw one on fentanyl that like because i i didn't know you could scrape a patch and somehow concentrate that shit and then yeah yeah there was something else i was going to talk about uh opi- eh, i forgot opioids and fentanyl and all that but yeah i was just hearing oh. about this uh derivative of fentanyl that's way more powerful just the other day like yeah. maybe 10 days ago yeah i was, I know i was gonna tell you i'm gonna leave his name out i have a good buddy who is um Pretty tight with an ex UFC fighter. I don't know if he won the belt or not, but he was like, he was top five, super hardcore, uh, 170 pounds a few years back. And um, uh, Homeboy, you know, he would have a fight, break his arm, have to get a surgery, and then the, the surgeons or the doctors would prescribe him um, whatever, Oxy, Viking, yeah. whatever. Crazy payments. And then, yeah, those are expensive. And then you can go get smack on a corner that gives you the same high, but they cut you off at some point. So then you go and you get heroin instead because it's the same high. And then, you know, you're chasing the dragon trying to get back to that first one. And now this guy, I uh, was at a wedding, and he was a famous, famous UFC fighter. 
right next to me, high as a kite, full on heroin problem, do anything to like hit a good, like his thing is like, bro, when you hit a good vein, oh my God. And all his veins are collapsed and all this stuff. And that guy could have been, could have been a John Jones, could have been uh, a Ronda Rousey, could have been the highest of the highest level. And he ruined his life because, you know, he had a few surgeries, got hooked on opioids, and then just his life just... And it's funny because I, I met him only once or twice. But um, I'm good friends with his buddy. And then his like that guy will now lie, cheat, and steal, and do anything he can to take advantage of anybody just to score his next high. Like typical, typical you know, behavior from an addict. But it's crazy. You know, it started out innocent. Like, yeah, I'm in pain, so... You know, I herniated a disc. Give me some drugs. Yeah, have you ever, um, what is that, Chris Heron? Have you ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a documentary recommendation. I tell people about this all the time because I I had a friend that struggled with some of these types of problems, and I, I didn't know what was going on until they talked to me about it. And in hindsight, like kind of what you're saying, I wish I would have had the um, foresight to bring up the problem yeah. as it was going on. And even one time saw, uh, I, I mean, I didn't even know, just naively enough, and this has been within the last few years, but this person started withdrawing in front of me. Yeah, like, like in they the started like they started sweating and yeah, shaking, and I, I'd, I'd actually given them a ride home after class. Yeah, and I'd noticed like some weird behavior, like like just basically not this nodding off, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until much later and kind of the issue had evolved a little bit and it kind of come to the forefront that I like looked back and was like, Oh, that's what withdrawal looks like. Yeah. That's what was. Cause I was like, what is going on? Like I, I didn't know. And like his mood just immediately went from like you and I are now to like, Whoa. yeah, like, just like yeah. rage. Almost. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, but there's a documentary that opened my eyes a lot of this called, um, it was a 30 for 30, which I really want to see that new Ric Flair 30 for 30. Yeah. Yeah. But it was called unguarded. You ever have a chance to watch it? I'm gonna get good, so I was just thinking about it. Cool. But it was this dude that's like he's an NBA player named Chris Heron, and it, he is successful at basketball, always talented, and he start, it, just the stories that he tells. And this was this was his high point. He's out on the street corner in his Boston Celtics uniform, waiting on his dealer to show up because he knows that he cannot play and start and score without getting high oh shit and he goes out there and scores like 20 points in the game yeah. after he gets the oxycontin and uh like like i think uh the other night if it wasn't i talked to drink about this recently but he's he's on the narcotic squad in little rock and he's seen enough crazy shit to offer perspective on stuff like this particularly with these kinds of drugs and, and fentanyl and um it's uh, he he said this in some law enforcement training I was doing with him one day to a big group of cops. He's like, "That should make you a superhuman for a little while." Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like, like when you're young, when you're 25, and that's that was the case that I saw with this person. Is like, it made him super creative. It made him super physical. It made him yeah. everything for a while, and yeah. then it just hits that point where you got to move to that fentanyl, or you yep. got to move to that. Yeah, you build up a resistance, and then you got to get more, and it's like it just doesn't stop. Um, I had a close family friend. Actually, I got um, my friend Chris Burdett. I think it was like three years ago. I got to call his sister, who I've never, I hadn't talked to in like ten years. Um, she calls me, and I was like, "She's like, hey, it's uh, Adrian." And I was like, "Oh fuck, is he dead?" 
It's like, yeah, we found him in a bathroom. He's dead. But like, he just got hooked on pain pills and then heroin. And then probably the stuff he had was uh, cut with fentanyl. And he was my best friend growing up. So it like hit me kind of hard. And that's when I kind of looked into it a bit. And then another buddy of mine, uh, he worked at a sales company that I worked at um, years back. And he's like, bro, I don't think I ever failed close to deal when I took just 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 a little bit of oxy. I just take a little bit. I'm in a good mood. I'm elated. Da 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 da. It does funny. that to some people. Yeah, I, I, like, pain pills never do that to me. Like that I, that was another thing I didn't understand is like people would do it and get an up. Yeah. And for me, it doesn't matter if I'm taking a hydro or whatever. It is like straight What's to the hydro. I don't even like know a, what a hydrocodone or whatever. Oh, okay. It's, it's typically what Oxycodone, like oxycodone, hydrocodone. Uh, yeah, okay. When I got my hernia repair a few years back, they mm-hmm. they gave me these uh, big fat oxys and they fuck you up, man. Like you can't <laughs> like it. it messes up your whole digestive system yeah you get you, your gut you get bacteria constant, yeah constipated up. yeah you get all the, and yeah. then they give you meds for that for which that. also have side effects right. uh-huh. yep it's it like a vicious cycle but um it, it never like literally i'm immediately passing out mm-hmm. especially if like if i'm in pain or something like recovering from a surgery and uh so i never got it i never got why people would do it because the next day if i ever did anything like that i never wanted more it wasn't like any, you know, I mean, just like pharmaceutical grade drugs. Like I've, I've had muscle relaxers, pain pills over the years, dentist work, whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, or, or like, hey, my back is jacked, and I will. I mean, I, I've called just in excruciating pain and tried to find somebody who could give me a muscle relaxer or something, a, a, a tramadol or whatever. I don't even know what I. Just like, hey, I can't, I can't, I can't turn function. over yeah, in the bed I need without now. getting yeah. stabbed. Right. And uh, but the next day. Or, or like the two days later or whatever after the back issue is alleviated, or I go to the chiropractor or what have you. I never was like, man, let me get some more of that. Yeah. So like I could never empathize. Yeah. And now I can. And that's what I had to get educated to develop empathy for these people. And yeah. now I have, I do have empathy for them. It's one of the saddest things. Like, I'm Yeah, it sucks here. when it gets, uh, um, it goes too far. My understanding is that any and all drugs are a, a poison. And typically, if you do a small amount, it will act as a stimulant, like caffeine. You, you have a cup, two, three cups of coffee, and it's a stimulant. But once you get into like the 10%, there are 10 cups of coffee sort of range, it now starts acting as a, um, a depressant. Your, your body gets overwhelmed, and it brings you down. So like Ritalin and uh, Adderall. Adderall is basically, uh, and I'm sure some yes. of the pot, it's meth. It, that's what it is. It's like... It's very, very similar to meth. The effects of it are like meth. So you feel like you're like super focused, you're, but you're methed out. If you give a guy a little bit of meth, he's going to tell you, no, dude, I'm on point. I'm sharp. I'm blah. But if you do a little bit of it or you know, kind of a lot of it, you, you, you get up on this like turbo high. But when you give that to an adolescent kid, it, yeah. it, it's too much for them to handle, and it brings them down, and it's a depressant. So Ritalin, when you have hyperactivity, you're giving them too much stimulant, like 10 cups of coffee, and they're like, and it starts to depress their nervous system. That's crazy. I've never really heard it. Expl- I mean, I kind of understand it that way for, for kids, but I've never really thought about it that way. Yeah. Because, uh, well, I mean, Joe Rogan's been talking about this on his podcast. Um, tons of his guests are on Adderall. Yeah. They no, come he, in, they're like, hey, man, you know, Jack, yeah, I just got like, a yeah, great time. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, man, I've, I've had an Adderall before. Um, Especially in college. Like, that's like a normal thing for college students. Like, oh, hey, yeah. you got to stay up all night six times yeah, a semester. Boom. Here you go. Take some math. Make- yeah, you're good. <laughs> but, uh, and two, it's, it's, it's remarkable the amount of adults my age that work like 
just totally legit jobs, and they are. That's like, I mean, they've got a legit script for it. It's not like they're buying it from some other college student, you know. Yeah. But uh, well, it's easy to get uh, prescribed drugs. Like you know, I live in California, so it's like, hey, uh, um, doc, I swear to God, my vagina hurts. He's like, fuck, man, you need to smoke weed. Here's a script. Yeah, smoke <laughs> out, bro. He's like, oh wait, I didn't even check. He's like, yeah, trust me, I have a vagina. It hurts. He's like, cool, smoke a lot here. Yeah, we got a we got a dispensary there, there, there. So they just want to give out drugs. I mean, it's real easy to get a script, and um, you can also get it online. Here's a here's a funny story. Um, Actually, like when I was an undergrad, a buddy of mine got an Adderall prescription. And like at this time, I'm taking like 18 hours at a time, and I was kind of jealous. I'm like, damn, dude, like like you just heard about this stuff, and then like we're like, I want to go get yeah. a script for it. And mm-hmm. you went to your doctor, and he gave you a script. I'm going to try that. Yeah. So I go in. I'm like, you know, I got a lot of anxiety from studying for these tests, and, you know, I'm very busy. And, I mean, this is like eight, seven, eight years ago or some shit. And he's like, all right, man, I'm going to write you a script for antidepressants. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah, like, wait, <laughs> you know, kind of like, said the wrong symptoms. Yeah, I was yeah, I like, Adderall, not <laughs> and <laughs> then I just kind of gave up on it. I was like, well, <laughs> if, shit, if it's that hard. And then I will say, though, that uh, that same friend, um, they took it way too far. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, that because... Um, well, they call it like kitty coke because you can snort that shit and you can get. Apparently, it's pretty close yeah. to cocaine. Like, well, I you, think it's bad if they give you smaller dosages because mm. they were like, "Hey, here, take ten Or they take. It was like I think they had him taking three ten milligrams a day, mm. but apparently these thirty milligram time released are like more healthy meth, <laughs> and uh, like it, it's not as because it's 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 probably like uh, sugars and stuff. Like you have comp- complex carbohydrates, you got simple carbo simple so. You do a little bit, and you're going to go, it's like 10 milligrams, but it's going to hit your system quick, so it's like, wham, and juice, wham. And then if you did 30 milligrams over, and it's like slowly released, it's like you're getting three milligrams in your system every hour for like 10 hours. I don't know how it works, but you're not going to get those like sugar spikes or uh, Adderall spikes. Boom, 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 you know? Yeah, no, and I mean, just like any drug, they come with their their side effects. Yeah. That's another thing. That's a, I love those comedians recently been talking about that. They're like, no, take this pill because it's going to make you feel happy. And then you might shit yourself. You might kill yourself. You might kill your neighbors. You might blow out suicidal thoughts. You might get. Dude, I <laughs> love those commercials where it's like it's the commercial and the core commercial is like 30 seconds long. Yeah. And then it's the next minute. Like they have a 90 second spot or something is explaining all the shit that might go horribly wrong if you take it. And yeah. then like a little thing at the end, take our product. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. Apparently, the United States is one of the only countries that just allows to um, advertise drugs. And so most countries, it's like it has to be a doctor has to listen to you and go, oh, that's this condition. Here's yeah, the I've drug for about it. that. Yeah. Like, hey, look, there's this condition. It's called the adult ADD. Look, do you ever have do you ever get nervous? Do you ever have trouble concentrating, which everyone does? And people are like, man, shit. I might have that. Maybe I should talk to my doctor about it. Like, marketing. Cool. Yeah, it is marketing. I, and it was on Joe Rogan. He was talking about this too. The guy who was like, bacon for breakfast. And he's like, they had this, this uh, I think it was a, a heart medication that they were doing a clinical trial on. And then they stopped the trial and they asked everyone for the, the medicine back. And they're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, no, I'm keeping this. And they're like, uh, okay. They're like, why? And he's like, makes my dick hard <laughs> and they're like 
wait, our drug does that? And they're like, that, yeah. That's how they discovered Viagra. So yeah. they created a condition. They invented a condition called er- erectile dysfunction or what, ED or whatever. They, and then, they, they, John Jones has. Yeah. 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 Dick pills. Dick pills. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So, anyway, yeah, but it's marketing. You know, that's what you push. You, you get people to think they have it. You convince them that it might be right and then need it. And then they're like, cool. And then you have a doctor to push it. And then doc makes money. Drug company makes money. And, you know, not to say that people can't get it up, and maybe there's some people that need dick pills, but anyway, it's a, it's a marketing push. What do you think about um, TRT replacement, which has kind of kind of gone out of the limelight of topics to debate about? Uh, but it's crazy to me that that was even a thing. Like, oh, yeah, you're out? You're 28 years old and you're out? Yeah. Well, we gave you some more. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm not, I actually think that there are... The, yeah, I know, I know people. Oh, yeah, I know people that like. Actually, a guy, a friend of mine, who, who he was like sixty-five years old or whatever, he had sleeping issues, and so he went to every sleep doctor, or whatever, and he finally went to an endocrinologist, and they go, "Look, when your test drops low, you don't sleep well." And then they did they did all the blood tests, they did all that stuff, and he had low T, so they gave it to him, and he started sleeping better, and he also got a little more jacked. He's sixty-five; he wasn't trying to beat or bell for it. At, T-tour. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard this. I've heard that when you hit start approaching 50, I think it is, your, your T-levels T start to go down. At least that's the number it's supposed to be at. But I've also heard, and it's kind of seemed like this narrative several years ago, was like, well, you know, if you're like an NFL athlete or a UFC fighter, you might deplete through those stores a little faster. And yeah, I that's think that's why we have this. Yeah. It's kind of like a little that that may not be how the 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 argument itself was framed, but uh, it's like oh well, I do more, so I burn through all my testosterone. I, my body doesn't produce anymore because I'm an NCAA wrestler or, or whatever. And I could kind of get that, but I I think it's I don't know. To be honest, I can't intelligently comment on it because I'm not an endocrinologist. I haven't read anything about it, but but bro science, bro science, fuck yeah, give me that shit. I want to get I want get T-Tord jacked out of my mind. Dude, did you see that? He was so jacked, and his reaction time was so fast, and he spun. Oh, and I know. He'll, who did he? He'll kick that dude in the head. Wasn't it Luke Rockhold? Luke, yeah, Luke Rockhold. Bam! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Joe Rogan. I think about I also. I think I might also have low T. Yeah, yeah. If I can do shit. that shit. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's uh, maybe Edson Barbosa's problem is the opposite. He just produces high T. Maybe. That's why his kicks are so fucking fast, <laughs> yeah. dude. That dude has insane kicks. In that Khabib fight the other night. Oh, but, it was nuts. I mean, it was nuts, and he, he definitively lost. But in the third round, he was – you know, like when somebody throws a tie kick and they and it they miss and it spins the full 360 like really fast. He was still doing that in the third round yeah. after getting taken down and Khabib laying on him. like He, he – I think – you know what I like about that? And I don't know who commented on it, but um, being walked down and getting pushed back all the time and not being able to control the distance and kind of use that, the distance management when two guys square off. And so he was getting walked down because he was afraid of the, uh, the takedown. So he's backing up, backing up. And when you're just constantly backing up, it's harder to just bang, initiate offense. So, um, but he looked super worn down, but he knew his only, only hope in that fight, was just nail him with an insane kick or a, like a lucky kick. He has like two wheel kick knockouts and then other knockouts. I was like, I want to say he's got a switch kick knockout or something outside of that mm-hmm. without looking at his record. But 
you know, like I wonder when we're going to reach and granted, like the whole game is my techniques are designed to beat your techniques and vice versa. But I wonder when we're going to reach a point in the, in the art, in the industry of MMA or, or whatever you want to refer to it as where you stop having people show up like Francis and Ganu that don't know how to fucking wrestle. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you like, he didn't have a wrestling coach in his corner and they're like, they were asking he him. He never needed one though. Granted. You know what I mean? But he's fighting an NCAA wrestler. Yeah. This gun, it's like, I mean, yeah, you might, and you might, and you almost knocked dude out, but it's like, you got to hinge on the fact that that, we got to assume that that NCAA wrestler is going to take gonna put you, you on down. Your back. Yeah. And for people to make it to all the way to a world title fight and not make that assumption heavily, just like, uh, like for example, Ty- everybody hates this fight, but Tyron Woodley versus Damian Maya. No, I didn't hate that fight. I didn't hate it either. I, I I was actually I was rooting for Maya, but it's like, damn, did you not put on an anti takedown clinic, bro? With a uh, one arm. Yeah. Yeah. Next to his labrum or whatever. Yeah. I was. Uh, yeah. I'm. F- and and people uh, dog on uh, Tyron's fights with uh, with uh, Wonder Boy as well. Same same sort of deal. It's like you fight boring fight. It's like. I think that that's like the evolution of like he only takes the lowest risk, highest reward mm-hmm. sort of, and I think like you get a lot of people they just don't look at things in that way. It's like yeah. it's not a, a, a game to them. I think it was a a popular thing to do just to not like uh, Woodley, and uh, you know he's not necessarily always. I've met him one time. The dude's a dick. Oh, is he really? I say that like. And it was in it was in Vegas. It was a year before last. It wasn't with the uh, the Hickson seminar, but um, he he I, just like uh, there he was at a it was at my billing services booth, uh-huh. and there's nobody there talking. This is like when he just got signed to the UFC. Like I want to say like I just seen him get knocked out by M- Nate Marquardt. Matter <laughs> of fact, I was walking through the Venetian with Caleb, and I was like, "Hey, it's Tyron Woodley," and he's like, "Who?" And I'm like, "He's Strike Force, Tyron yeah. Woodley." Like yeah. he had j- like not even had any high profile fights in the UFC. And uh, I went up to talk to him, and I'm just like, hey, dude, you know, what's up? And he's just like, and I'm like, dude, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, kind of like you're saying, it's like you see a UFC fighter over there, nobody's talking. It's like Caleb and I did that one time with Robert Drysdale. And the dude talked to us for like an hour and a (laughs) half. He's like, oh, dude, I just got to be here for like three hours because these people like send me checks and stuff. Like, look at my curriculum. I mean, it was cool cool. just sitting down talking to him. He gave me his business card, and I kept it for a long time until I was like. Stand up real quick. This is my favorite meeting a UFC fighter story. Uh, Stand up. Stand up. Um. I'm Rashad Evans, and uh, like, oh shit, Rashad, and say hi to me. Oh, yeah. Rashad, hi. Put your hand up to check it. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck, Rashad? I was like, you know, there's. Where'd you see? Where'd you see him at? In Vegas. There, but it was just like, oh shit, Rashad, uh, dude, nice to meet you. He must have just knocked Chuck out or something, because that motherfucker ain't relevant anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, you can catch guys on a bad day. Maybe they just broke I up. Know, you don't know what's going on in their life. But for you to just, like, stare a dude down and be like. You're the. <laughs> get out that, that's, like, intentionally, like, bitch, you ain't in my league, man. Get the fuck away from me. Dude, you know? um, I'll say this. You know, uh, funny meeting. Right after I lost, I think it was Worlds at Brown Belt. I'd lost my match. And I was, like, sitting over there being a little bitch about it. Like, up against the wall. And uh, you were down there, like, by where the bullpen was. 
And so like Brian Stubner's under Kyle mm-hmm. and you saw Kyle walk by and you're like, Hey, Kyle Tara, what's up, man? You I know Brian that? Stubner. You saw and that? I was like sitting over there, be like, I said, being a little bitch, like sitting up against the wall, and it like almost made things a little better for him. I was like, oh, Kyle's an asshole. Because <laughs> you were just like, oh, hey, man, we know some of the same people. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've done, I mean, because I'll tell you, if anybody ever walked up to me, except I have a student owns a school in um, Fort Smith, great dude, didn't get to come in today. Um, but he was on the podcast last, mm. uh, Chris Thompson. And, um, you know, like if if somebody came up to me and was like, "Hey, man, I did a I did a seminar at Chris Thompson School," I'd be like, "Dude, that's my that's boy. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome, yeah, man." Cool. Nice. Hey, hey, I'm about to compete. Nice to meet you, but yeah, no, like yeah. whatever. Something nice. If, if you were in just like that, like uh, business mode, like you're getting ready to go, like compete or do something, it's like, "Cool, man. Really nice to meet you. I'm sorry, I'm about to compete. I gotta run." Not just like, oh. Anyway, um, I'm sure Kyle's a really nice guy. I'm sure he is. I'm not trying to trying to talk down on him. Well, funny enough, even though like, Caesar Gracie called him a sissy face. Okay. All right. Uh, f- funny enough, um, Jeanji was an incredible instructor. Really went out of his way to have a n- nice, relaxed environment, and train people. Uh, Solo, he put his heart and th- both those guys put their heart and soul into that school at that time. Like I haven't. This was like ten years ago. But that one time he yelled at me for asking him to roll. I was just like, whoa. So every, you know, people have their like bad days. And I might have just got Kyle on a bad day. I don't know. But the one thing with Rashad anyway was he went out of his way to make me feel like an asshole. Not like, dude, I'm in the middle of shit. Like, not right now. Like, you don't know what somebody just went through 30 seconds before you walked up. Oh, yeah. They literally got a text from their girlfriend. Ha ha. I've been sleeping with uh, six other dudes. <laughs> yeah, and here's photos. And then it's like, Hey, I'm a big fan. It's just like, well, and I get that with Woodley. It's like, dude probably didn't want to be at that booth all day. And he probably had to talk to dumbass people like me all day. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, I really like that time you punched that guy. Yeah. And what's funny is like I was walking up to him like being like, dude, how did you get sponsored by our billing company? (laughs) Like, and he and I asked him that. I'm like, uh, I've been with these people for like three years. Um you think they could give me some free shit? Because yeah. I'm getting some sponsorships and blah, blah, And um Yeah, and he's like, well, I think it's just because I'm in the UFC. And I was like, all right, dude. So, that explains uh, it. Not even going to ask now. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just, I mean, it was everything was short, and I get that too. But also at the same time, it's like, I feel like from a, f- I wouldn't even say I'm a Tyrone Woodley fan walking into that conversation, but from a, a fan perspective, um it's like there. It's like we, they're not necessarily you and I, but fans. Ex- there's an expectation, yeah. Of like, yeah. hey, you know, like you, you. I'm the reason that you exist. So people like me, I'm your fan, and I pay the pay per views and or whatever it is. You know, like I buy your books, I get your music, and uh, so it's like almost an expectation of like, hey, man, I bought that pay per view you fought in, and you were being nice to me. <laughs> I saw you not choke Adele out. Yeah. I, I've I've never had that thought uh, cross my mind like you're indebted to me because I'm a fan. Yeah, but I'm sure there, some people uh, operate in that way. It seems like I've I got a I got a great fucking like, story. This one's fun. Lay it on me, dude. All right, I'm gonna pour I'm gonna pour a drink. So <clears throat> I got this buddy Tom Wozni who does um, commercials, and um, 
he's done a fair amount of commercials for UFC gym and some other things and somehow got somehow got in the fight industry. He does all type of corporate stuff all over the place. And another guy, Clint. Uh, Clint, uh, super tight with Josh Barnett, super tight with like these old school. Dude, I'm, like, a, I'm a Barnett fan and an Eric Paulson fan. Me too. Um, anyway, so uh, I met... Uh, I bet, uh, oh, Tom goes, yo, hey, uh, we're going to watch uh, fights at this bar on Corona Del Mar. Come show up. It's like, sweet. So I roll down there. I forget who the fight was. And I was sitting there talking. And funny enough, I was on the underground the night before. And this was back when uh, um, the nat- Randy the Natural Couture was on top of the world, right? Yeah. Making your notes. Randy Couture. So yeah, I'm but- online. Yeah, yeah. And I'm reading this forum, and it was all these super shitty stories about Randy and his public image to me at that point. Like, the guy was a superhero. Like, he was like... Captain America. Dude, Captain America himself, right? He's just this, like, wholesome, awesome, badass dude that just works hard, beats the shit out of people. Awesome guy. Always polite. Always professional. Great dude. I go online... And I read like story after story after story after story about how much of a jerk he is. Fascinating. Caleb, uh, Caleb trained with Randy, I want to say quite a bit, but several times and just met him in the airport the other day. Like, like they had a letter over to him. and like sat there and just like, BS. What up, Randy? And then what's his name um, from Randy's gym ended up committing suicide just a few weeks after that, who Caleb had also trained with. What's his name? Fallis, Uriah Hall's so, coach. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah I, didn't, I didn't hear about that. So I'm at, um, I meet up with uh, Tom. We're at the table. And he's like, yo, this is my buddy. Let's call him John. He's like, yo, John, what up? And I'm like, hey, hey Tom, good to see you guys. Um, we start, you know, the night goes on. I was like, craziest thing ever. Last night, I'm reading these stories that Randy Couture is a complete asshole. And then the guy, John, is like, dude, it shit's on the internet. Like, I don't know if you can believe what you read on the internet. Yeah. I'm like... I never do, but the craziest thing was is like it's these consensus were viewpoint. It was multiple first hand accounts. And I was like, apparently guy's just a big asshole, but like I don't know, like one or two stories, maybe they got him on a bad day. But like ten stories. And uh John's like, Yeah, it's the internet, dude. I, I wouldn't believe that shit. And I was like, I did, I never would, except it was just it was too many stories. And um, he's like, I'm going to go grab a, a drink. Do you guys want one? I was like, yeah, I'll have a crown. I'll have a Newcastle. I'll have a drink, whatever. Were the stories like all like Randy likes to invite me over and then he takes a shower while I'm there? Like, uh, no, he just jerked off in a plant. <laughs> like, he like, just, won't let me leave. He just masturbates in front of the door. <laughs> yeah, no, he was like, it was, uh, he didn't Weinstein it, but he definitely, um, I was going to say Louis C. Yeah, he Louis, Louis C. K. 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 into the plant. He's like. No, but the stories were like, yeah, I was in the elevator with him. I tried to say hi, and it was just, it was just like, whatever. It's nominal stuff. Nothing like bad. Nothing like horrible person. Anyway, so John gets up, goes to the bar, and my buddy Tom looks at me. He's like, "You fucking idiot!" I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "That's fucking Randy's agent." I was like, "Oh my god!" Damn it! I'm like, oh, this is like a classic Jack moment. Like <laughs> foot in mouth, and like I'm just like, oh. Anyway, so I. Sort of backtracked a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I didn't really believe the stories ever, but it was just weird that there was a, a lot of them. He's, anyway, oh, damn, look at that. You know, and then change the subject, try to deflect it. So, like, three weeks later, I get a call from my buddy Tom. Yo, what are you doing tonight at 10? It's like, no plans. It's like, okay, bye. That was weird. And then, like, 9.30, I get a, uh, a call. 
yo, show up at so-and-so club in Newport Beach. I'm like, all right. I'm like, do I need to wear a suit? And he's like, yeah, dress up, whatever. I show up and I get a VIP table with a branded couture, his girl, John, my buddy Tom, and me. And uh, Randy Couture was a fucking great guy that evening. He's a nice dude, super nice dude. Was that was that that all set up on the precedent that? No, but what happened is uh, I somehow oh that guy, um, the the agent John guy, he was like, um, he offered me a ride home because uh, like I forget what happened. I didn't have my car. I Ubered there. He's like, "Eh, I'll take you home. No, I'm good. I'll good. I'll just get a taxi and really appreciate it. He's like, dude, here's my business card. Like, you know, it's nice to meet you, whatever. So the next day I shot him an email. It's like, dude, that was really nice of you to um, offer me a ride home. I wish you the best. And, you know, hopefully I'll run into you in the fights next time with Tom. Just like a thank you. He's like, man, it was really uh, thoughtful of you. And he, he liked that for whatever reason. One, I offended him. But then I was actually that nice guy. And he's like, I'm going to prove to this guy, Jack, that Randy's not a piece of shit. And he was a, he was a rad, super chill, awesome dude. That's it awesome. A, yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. Uh, and how many people can say they just got to sit down? Need a, just a normal dinner with Randy. It wasn't like, man, a dinner. It was like a VIP table at a club with a DJ. It was um, oh. I forget the name of the club. In a, Even better. Yeah. 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 Bottle service. It was good. Yeah. Uh, it would have been funny if they were trying to troll you. would be like, Randy, be like, hey, Jack, why don't you go dance with my wife? Like, <laughs> uh, um, I heard, I I heard you beat people up who look at your wife. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, back, on, back on that same topic, though, you got to know that even even in a sport like MMA where it's not I mean I, Randy is such an icon though but yeah. being a celebrity of anything to where like uh did you see Nate Diaz in that Starbucks a while back No. They, it was I want to say it was while we were in Vegas It was probably that night I hung out with yeah, him Yeah you got to tell me that in just a second but like he's like he like takes a picture and there's like Hundred people behind and be like, "Wow!" He's like, "I'm just trying to get a coffee." Yeah, it's nice. But ever since I those Connor that, fights, yeah, it's like that's I not a normal life. I don't want to be famous. I don't. I would like to be respected in my field and have notoriety for that. You know what I mean? But for like actual stardom and fame, I don't want that. Like, I don't need that shit. I don't need everybody like just like bowing down to me all the time, tell me I'm great. We are not worthy. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want that. Yeah, it's got to make it awkward, but I would also say probably um, there's probably a lot of what's going on. That's probably what causes those bad days for people is that they can't they can't ever have like normal interaction. It's like everything is like like with like even with you for example. It's like I consider you, I, I know we talk about this and that a lot, but it's never like hey, tell me that Hickson story. Yeah, I need. I need. I mean, yeah, I want to know the Hickson story, but like, I want to know the Jack story. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, it's uh, I'm 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 interested in what you're doing in your life and finance and like what 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 shows you like to watch on TV and what yeah. car you drive. Just like regular shit. Yeah, just I mean, whereas like I feel like nobody nobody's ever gonna go ask Tyron Woodley right now. That's that's a fan of his or sees him at a booth at a, a martial arts conference and be like, yeah, dude, what car you drive? Like. This is like a normal conversation, like yeah. what, like 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 us right now. And like yeah. I would say, like the first couple of times around you, it was just like, "Who's this dude?" Mike told me he trains with Hickson. Like, yeah. like you train with Hickson? Like, what's that like? Can I touch you? You know, because like, I, I that was uh, one of the most surreal things about happenstance, just getting to know you. Is like, man, I've been such a big Hickson Gracie fan for such a long time. Yeah, me too. But I'll tell you this: um, uh, one thing that I learned from Hickson, and you'll, you'll see his guys do it, is, um, you know, I think up until now, um, Hickson never, 
Like, and you, there's there's a lot of guys who have trained way like a hundred times more with Hickson than myself. Like, I'm not, I'm not his right hand man, not even close. Like, but um, there's a there's a lot of people who have a lot more time with him. But I'll tell you this: there's a lot of things that I've learned from him, and one of them was how he teaches. He will, if there's a hundred students, that's um, you know fifty pairs. Let's say it's like fifty students. There's twenty five pairs. He will either watch you do the move or have you do it on him until you get it right and then go to the next one. Or he can get you, because, you know, some people are a little inept or, like, clumsy with their bodies or their white belts, and it's, like, maybe a more complicated move. But he will take the time to either get you to do it right or get you to um, a level where it's improved from where you were if you're not going to get it right for the next, like, two years. He's like, he won't stop the class and give you a one-on-one coaching session and neglect everybody. But what he will do, it's like, no, like, okay, good. It's good. Put more. No. Okay. Take your leg. Put it there. Good. More. Good. Okay, good. Okay, do it again. And he'll do it 5, 10, 15 times until you are better. You're either doing it right or you've markedly improved. And then the next person and then the next person. And so I don't know, like, at the, you know, at the class today, I worked with every, uh, every move I did. I probably omitted to do this, but... I tried to work with every single two people, paired up, and then saw them do it, had them switch, saw them do it, good, good. You know, so he really cares about, if you're there to, like, you're paying him to be his student, he's there to teach you. He's not there because he has to be at the gym. He's there yeah. to, like, show up and whatever. Like, he'll, he, he's there to teach. So one time, I've only taken one class from Crone, and it was a big class it was like a shitload of people he um he only taught two moves because he had to go and work with every single person yeah individually. I've, about that. I've heard i mean i've seen some of the sizes of hickson and cones classes it's yeah. like and it's it's almost like like hickson stuff it looks like a mecca because all those and what grown to say get they say the guest belts right yeah so it's like all these guests like you can clearly see in the lineup there's a lot of guests there that heard hickson was teaching yeah. class or yeah. whatever yeah and i drove up every week for that yeah yeah like i'll t- i'm coming and to this got class to wear your actual belt too. yeah 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 because yeah. no, no, i remember texting you about that being like dude what's i heard i read this hundred <laughs> times yeah. or whatever R- ryan young just did a video about that too about um we have two guys. We've actually had like multiple guys join our gym, and they were belted elsewhere. And so we kind of went through: Are we going to do that? We're not going to do it. But they don't really know the details um, of the type of jujitsu we do. We definitely recognize their belt. Like you are a fucking purple belt. Like y- like you, if you came to my gym, Colin would be like, "You are a hundred percent a brown belt." That's we're not debating that. But you're not my brown belt. So let me just keep an eye on some shit for a little bit. Let me test you out. Let me see if you know the things we do. Huge on self-defense. Huge on these these specific sort of criteria that's important to us. Cool. Once you exhibit that or show that you know it, dude, yeah, you can wear our brown belt. Until then, you get like a little visitor. Not a, it's not even a visitor I mean, belt. does Dave have those conversations with Because I feel like when that's like the way you're laying it out, I have no problems with that. Right. Whatsoever. Right. And you, when you explained it to me when I asked you about it, I was like, well, I have no problems with that either. Yeah, there was this guy. His name's Stefan, um, Brazilian dude. He was at Crohn's, and I was going up there visiting all the time. And uh, he had the visitor black belt. They're like, dude, we don't have a problem with you having a black belt, but you're not a Crone Gracie black belt. You're not a Hickson Gracie black belt. And we're not saying you're not a black belt, but we need to know that our core values and our core techniques 
are in your DNA and you exhibit them and you do them and represent that. Once we know that, after we've seen that for a minute, fuck yeah, rock the belt, no problem. Like you're one of, like, and it's not to say that anyone's jujitsu is bad. It's just to say that it's not our jujitsu. We want our stamp in your DNA. And that's, that's my understanding of um, what was up there. And the first time I went up to Crohn's, uh, they gave me the visitor belt. And I had a moment of like butthurtedness. And then I thought to myself, it's his school, his rules. Like, I don't give a shit. Exactly. And so like, fine, I can either go there or not go there. I don't give a shit. But when they saw the Hickson stamp in my jujitsu, commas, jujitsu, that stuff, they're like, word, dude. Yeah. Well, and it is like, that's, that's one thing I love is, is like your jujitsu. That's why that's why you're here. I probably will have. I mean, I, I just like I had a chance to have it with Flavio. That guy's telling you he's been training with Crone actually. Yeah, uh, like he's training at Crone's gym, right? Like that's where he's training. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got trained with Flavio a few years ago, and guy's got an incredible story. Super nice guy, and like I had him in a couple weeks ago, but like I'll probably have you in again in 2018 if possible, or very first of 2019, and go train with you at Eric's whenever he gets you booked in. But it's like, I don't know. I've, I've, I could have some other people in and have looked at it, and it's just like I, I can get that. It's like I can get that jujitsu on YouTube, mm-hmm. to, like to to not sound like to not devalue anyone. But it's like there's we live in such a time where it's like I can have access to a lot of information. Yeah, and that's one thing. It's like like Hickson's techniques are like safeguarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for better or worse, it is. And, um, you know, it's funny. The only reason I got a little blip of notoriety is because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk about it because I started seeing online people, uh, uh, specifically on the underground, just start like trashing them. And nobody's like Henry Akins doesn't want to go on the um, Internet on those forums just because all he gets is just like bombarded with like bad news and negative comments and negative energy and all that stuff. And I kind of got sick and tired of it. And I'm not like the perfect anywhere near the perfect representative at all for that jujitsu but i'm like you know what um i have personal integrity i'm gonna stand up for it i'm gonna speak my mind and i I, you know i'm not being offensive but i'm like yeah i'll be vocal about some stuff and the principles and that stuff and so then you know i kind of got um people online someone created a there was like a hundred thousand views on this one thread and you know then budo videos was like yeah come talk about it you know like what is invisible but invisible today is it, well, I'm sorry, Invisible Jiu-Jitsu today was a perfect example. We were doing that step-over thing where you step over to mount, and I could knock you over, knock you over, knock you over, until Dude, you I, shifted I didn't the weight from what you're here saying about the foot and the knee to here for yeah. a minute. And then I was like, oh, your, your foot or knee on the mat first, and that changed everything. Like once I got to step out and see it three-dimensionally, I was like, what? Yeah, and that's the thing is like, uh, sometimes hard to teach someone when um, you don't have an extra body there. I'm like, look, I'm going to do it to him. Let me show you what's happening. So when um, sometimes in a private lesson, it's good to have an extra body there. That's why I was actually trying to. Um, that's the number one thing I was telling people on these splits, which on, uh, oh, on yeah, Bob tomorrow, that dude's a really good friend of mine and Caleb's too. If you want me to, if you want a demo on me. So yeah, yeah be there. Yeah, yeah for he's, sure. He's such a good dude. He would be fine with that. But, you know, and then also um, during today, the way that he phrased it that got you to understand it. Like he was like, no, sink into blah. But it's where you distributed your weight and you went heavy in that one spot. You can't pick that up from the outside. So sometimes um, explaining a technique 
you got to really feel it as opposed to have someone articulate words at you about it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's another way, another another There's way like a kinetic it. learning. It's like um sometimes that's the better way to learn it is instead of vocal or uh, it's like the kinetic. You, you ever heard it. of Gardner's I I I tell people about this periodically Gardner's multiple intelligences. Mm-mm. It's a theory on education. They teach it to people who are going to teach like high school and elementary mm-hmm. about how people learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated by it. Like Dring and I had a big conversation yesterday about methods, mm-hmm. training methodology, or not, not necessarily training methodologies, teaching methodologies. Yeah. And I like, because I, I'm going through that right now um, with this history class I'm teaching at the college. And some people are going to be auditory. Some people are going to be visual. Some people are going to be kinesthetic. Yep. But it doesn't matter what of the seven intelligences you fall in. Logical. Jiu-jitsu is all of them. Yeah. Like, it literally, oh, oh I have to put my hand on it. Mm-hmm. I have to hear it. I have to see it. I have to understand it in a rational way. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like you were saying, it's logic. I created an argument that you cannot refute. Mm-hmm. And uh, for like, I, I, when I took logic, people always hear argument and they're like, think we're like, oh, Jack, you, yeah. no, you, no, you're you, wrong. No, you're no wrong. I'm, taller, I'm, right. I'm taller than you. I don't care what the ruler says. Yeah. And it's not that. It's like you, you presented the information in such a way that it's um it's it's you know for lack of a better word maybe undeniable yeah it's like well oh I can't do any, oh I know those three escapes to the Americana but you're telling me if you do it that way I can't do any of them and if right. I do it this way you can't scratch me in the eye right I was thinking about that that was a little jewel from the last seminar is like Pretty like oh just put just put your face right here <laughs> and they can't like I, when Core was doing that I was like you put it right your face because I've been <laughs> teaching that ever since you showed it because yeah. like at the Hickson seminar he was like. Remember we just hit that dude in the balls? Yep. <laughs> like, but but there was uh, when he was doing some different things, he would like swipe at yeah. the groin and right. like, oh, I can't, I can't reach it. I can't yeah. get you in the eyes. Right. I can't do these fouls. Yeah. And uh, that is fascinating to me. But <clears throat> it you, you definitely appealed to every learning style in the room today. Well, and I learned that from Hickson. I, I've taken courses on study, and um, one of the the first obstacle to learning is thinking that you know all there is to know about it. So um, you come in and you're like, dude, I fucking learned the armbar a thousand times. Like, dude, I, you know, I'm an MMA fighter, like blah. And then to be shown somehow that you, one, you either have to um, come in with the mindset, okay, I don't know all there is to know about it, and recognize when you, when you come in with the arrogance, like we talked about earlier, like I came in with uh, arrogance and prejudice when I met those kids, and I realized like, oh, that's prejudice. That's not a good thing. Did you have a did you did you have a mentor that you like a back on that? I mean, just are you naturally that way? You've always been that way. Did you have a mentor at some point in business I, or life that was you, like, Jack, you're an asshole. You need to be working on these things. I think if you all of my closest friends are all gonna, I'm just a complete dick. <laughs> yeah. So I have uh, lots and lots and lots of faults. But that being said, there are times where I do have a mirror and I'm like. Yeah, you know what? That was prejudice. Like, okay, let me approach this differently. But with regards to learning, sometimes I've gone, I've gone like, dude, I've fucking done this before. Like, actually with Hickson, he's like, okay, we're going to do headlock escapes again. I'm like, Damn it. I don't, I don't want to learn about headlock escapes. I want to learn shit I've never seen before. And then he shows this detail, and I was like, whoa. I'm so glad we're doing headlock yeah, escapes. Like, that was different. That I never said, you know, so... It is weird. I, I've I've gone through that. I've been at seminars, and 
it's almost like that when you're around the same instructor a lot. Like with Mr. Dring, it's like, oh, I've heard that story. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it's in you, a just, you have to keep paying attention yep. because he is dropping nuggets of... That's the thing, is they aren't saying it because it's their... Like, Hick, like Dring, Hicks, they're not saying it because it's their trite story and they just have to say it because it's funny. Or like Howder, you know. They're saying it because they've been around so fucking long and they learned... That's the important part. And so if they're stressing that thing, it's probably important. So get over your own arrogance and this idea that you already know that. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard the story. I got it. I got it. Because you, with that, you just screened out 10 facts or something that could be more important. I don't know. Have more meaning later. But I did want to, um, uh, when you go in, knowing a move and then Hickson shuts you down, instantly you know that you actually don't know the move. Which is actually hard to face. Like, uh, the first few times... Because you, whether you got this from Hickson or whatever, I get it from you. Mm-hmm. Because I, I guess yeah. to, after today, I've maybe done... We, counting training we, in California. Okay, six. It's a two at Eric's. So, yeah. so, and then just training at your house a few times, a couple of times. times yeah. yeah. But it's... Um, yeah, like today, you're just showing stuff, and like all we we're doing was side control, mm. like side position, side mount for people that that don't do jiu-jitsu or not, don't know what we're talking about. And I'm just like, man, I never even wanted. Like, I, I I'm probably I'm, I'm four tip brown belt. Gonna the the talk around is that myself and a couple other people are probably getting promoted by belt in a couple of months, which may or may not happen. And I'll be fine if it didn't happen after today. Because yeah, it's you're, it, you're it's, hum- it's humbling, but it's also like the first inkling is that you, I, I don't think anybody likes the way that feels initially. Right. But w- I can tell you this through the experience of like having left, getting like last time we got to hang out in Vegas for the Hickson seminar, and I got to do that little one hour seminar he did the next day, which yeah. is on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I went back to the gym, and I just I, I sat down and I was like. This these is everything I can remember that I learned from Jack. Mm-hmm. These are the seminars. Fortunately, before that Hickson seminar, we did the Memphis one like three weeks before, and he covered some of the same techniques. Yes, yeah. which was great. Great, but I know you were like, dude, sorry, and I'm yeah. like, no, 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 I want that. Yeah, and then and then the um, what was it? The Hickson Gracie Cup. That seminar. That seminar got covered a couple of the same techniques, but there was also other techniques that were interspersed or like a different way of explaining it. And after through the process of just like going back to the gym and showing it to my guys that thought like uh, the guy there in the blue gi today, Jeff Woods, older guy, he's a professor, he's forty six years old, and um, he likes spider guard and like flashier, sportier stuff. But like we started just doing like that flavor, mm-hmm. like. Hey, yeah, somebody pulls your head down, you just drop to your knee and you reposture. And yeah. Just some stuff, the, the self-defense, like somebody grabs you behind. Mm-hmm. And and we just, I just really entered a period where for like six months, that's all we did. And yeah. they, everybody was so inspired, like, oh, in the Americana, like, oh, I've never seen it that way. Mm-hmm. And oh, oh, oh. And, I w- and through the process of me doing that, I got better. Yeah. Whereas right. I felt like a total child and then just calling you and talking about it. And, and then some of the greatest feelings of gratitude I had or like if I would call you or text you or whatever would be like I would go to the gym and just have a day where like I would see somebody like Jeff Woods 
or somebody have a light bulb go off or like multiple people were leaving that day being like that have trained with me for Jeff Woods is my longest student next to Brandon Motley. I mm-hmm. have three brown belts and Brandon trained with me when he and I were both students at Caleb's gym mm-hmm. in Inferno before he moved to Northwest Arkansas. So, but I'd been training there a couple of years before Brandon started training. And then after Caleb closed down and moved to North Arkansas, Brandon moved and he and I kept going to Russellville and Jeff Woods is like my first guy. Yeah. So for, for like Woods is the first guy that's like, he's never really been influenced by anybody else other than me. Mm-hmm. So, and he's a super intellectual dude. This mm-hmm. dude's f- about to publish his third book, wow. Dean of like the arts and humanities college, which wow. is like seven departments. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just in a mentor to me. Like yeah. I remember one time we were at front street, which you and I've been together a couple of times, a little bar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this girl came up and was like, are you Jeff Woods' son? And I was like, yeah. yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. But, but uh, no, I, you know, because I worked for him for the history department, and dude's a historian, and yeah. I do history too. It's He's been a major influence on me. But when that dude after class comes up to me and is like, that stuff's different. Yeah. It like, is what different. is it about it's, that? It's like, I know that yeah. I, you've taught me that move three times over the last five years. What have you been doing? You know what would be really interesting for me is uh, I would love to hear his, a, a guy of that uh, intellect and knowledge and, you know, probably self-reflection and the ability to articulate. Um, I would love to hear what he figured out is different. I would love to hear it. Because that's, I, I just, most of my jujitsu is uh, Pedro Sauer up to Blue Belt, which is, you know, not a... I'm a, a huge Pedro fan. Yeah. He, the Hickson Seminar, only other dude I took a picture with. Yeah, awesome. this because like uh, Fabio Santos had something else going on, <laughs> but I was okay. like, I am not worthy, yeah. Pedro. Oh my God, I I love your videos. I started with him, so he he was like a fifth, of, like a t- well, let's call it a tenth. I got a tenth of my jujitsu from him. Um, maybe the most that I actually absorbed from Pedro Sauer was not technique, but it was just philosophy, because he's he. he, he he has an, a very Elio Gracie type philosophy of not injure and use technique and not oh, muscle. How old is Pedro Sauer now? I don't know. He's, he's probably like up 60, there, like, right? He's probably like 60, like Hickson or something like that. But um, from him, I absorbed the mindset more. But technique wise, definitely David Kama, um, Hickson. I, I've had the most jujitsu learning from Dave Kama, more from Hickson. And then uh, notably in there would be. Uh, Henry Aikens, but I spent more time with Hickson and uh, Kama than I had Aikens. But you know, um, I'm trying to think like who else? Oh, and you know, six months with Saul and Janji, but they, they were consistently teaching a lot. So those are the, the like the four primary uh, people in my my jujitsu career. Um, I lost my train of thought. I was kind of like doing. What's what well, we're talking about? What uh, what sets your style of jiu-jitsu or oh. Hickson style or however you want to call it. Because yeah. I, like, I don't – I have such limited experience at Hickson, like two little bitty seminars, four total hours, which made a profound impact on my life. Well, the thing about – well, yeah. I, um, I had a point, and I'll, I'll somehow remember it and get back to it, but um, most of my jiu-jitsu is from that very, very minute core group of people, four people, mostly Kama, um, Hickson, a little bit of Aikens, a little bit of Salo, and a Salo and Janji, slash, slash, 50-50. So that's kind of all I know. And uh, so with this dude, I don't know what he knows and doesn't know. And so when he gets shown that stuff, 
I don't know what his take is on it. So I'd be really interested to hear his articulate um, description of why that's different. For him to just go like, that is different. I don't know why. I would like to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, he would definitely be open to talking to you because I felt like he today was one of the guys at the seminar um, that was really engaged. Mm. He brought up some stuff and he's one of the most analytical thinkers. Yeah, it's cool. I know. Like, I mean, there's not, I've been fortunate enough to, to have some really good mentors and unfortunately a couple of them passed away in the last few years. Uh, just different history mentors and I had a professor that passed away about six months ago that was one of those guys that makes a big impact on you. Yeah. You know? And you took him for as many classes as you could while he was there. He yeah. actually retired while I was in school. And uh, I got to see him a few times after he retired. But uh, just uh, people that, like, their approach, like, like Jeff Wood's approach is inspiring. Like, he's he's very, like, the, this dude would be lecturing in college. And, like, he would he would get to that point where he'd, like, I need to articulate this a little more more profoundly. So instead of stumbling around to find the words, he would be like, yeah, trying to find the true meaning. And, and then, then like, he would just lay it on you. Like yeah. there was, and I noticed myself because I I, th- I just thought back to this last couple of weeks because I actually kind of suck at lecturing. You'll get better. I just, yeah, I just yeah. found it out. I was like, damn, I'm saying all these stupid. Sentences that don't make sense. Like I'm reading the notes and then I'm making jokes about Harry Potter. And yeah, turn yeah. on the projector for me. But uh, it it is weird how um, cause I've only done it like man, I've, I have only had like five lectures so far this semester. But yeah. like how you just get into like tripping around all over your own words. Be yeah. like, what did I just? You know, it's funny. You just reminded me. There was a scene. It was a Mel Gibson movie, and I don't know the movie, but it was that Civil War type time. But he was, he was, uh, there was, uh, you the could Patriot, probably, the Patriot maybe? It might have been the Patriot. I remember one scene he was trying to make this chair and it had to weigh. Oh, yes. And he kept falling. It was breaking and breaking. Yeah, yeah. But one thing I remembered from that was his uh, son or one of his children who was being homeschooled at the time wrote an article and he's like, good, but it's too wordy. Do it again. Good, too much words. Do it again. Get it down to 100 words. And I remember that, and I, it was really funny one night. I was trying to tell my mom. I was like, every now and again, like my mom is the sweetest sweetheart of all fucking human beings on earth. She is, she's a, a bad ass, but the sweetest person. Like Jack, like she raised these animals, wild animals. Quinn, me, Simon, Sally, we're just like nuts. And she's like, oh honey, you know, don't, yeah, that's good, that's good. But let let's go this way, you know, and just like kept us all out of trouble, and just somehow kept our lives in line, and just. Gently, she never bitch slapped us once, but she just kind of gently steered the ship that way, gently this way. And um, last year, uh, maybe it was earlier this year, sometime last year, and I was, I just, I, w- I wanted to send her a text. I'm like, Mom, like you are an incredible person, and it was just so long winded. <laughs> and then I, I look back, I'm like, that's not even go through on one text. I'm like, all right, let me figure this out. Anyway, and I, I got all of my points. I got, there's like four points that I was trying to communicate. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, mom, you're the most subtle, gentle beast I've ever met. And then I was like, th- but I just kind of like condensed this paragraph into like, you know. That's, that's uh, what you just explained. I've been trying to t- explain to my history class about writing history versus writing English. 
Yeah, right. In like, English, like they probably you, embrace the words and the, yeah, the it's, articulation. It's like, hey, yeah. I, I need you to fluff this up a little bit more. Be right. more descriptive. Like, <laughs> right. tell me what it felt like. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, I had to tell that to him because I was like, hey, look, when I started writing history, I showed up and I was good. I felt like at writing English, mm. which which helped me. Mm -hmm. But I you would, could at least write. Yeah, I yeah. would do this sort of uh, a big long three line sentence with a comma or you know semicolon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff Woods taught me that I could do that in less. Yeah, like that's the guy that taught me that. Yeah. Um, so just segue off to to him, and uh, his, even his books. Like I got to the, uh, in graduate school, I did a presentation on both of his books. He wrote a book called Black Struggle, Red Scare, and a book about Bertrand Russell. I can't remember the name of it, but it was this dude that was uh, d around during LBJ's era, which I need to break that book back out. It's on my uh, table in there because I'm doing – it's 50 years since 1968, and I've been kind of plugging it on other podcasts that I do, but I'm going to do these uh, solo sort of hardcore history-type lectures – uh, on the podcast called History Unraveled. And 1968 is the first series I'm doing. Like, I want to do these series, like uh, History of Conspiracies, History of Drugs, mm. like things that are, like, cool topics, but you, they don't get a lot of lip service in the historical community. Like, mm -hmm. I would like to do one on uh, – but they do elsewhere. Like, Louis Thoreau has done a documentary on Westboro Baptist Church, Scientology, and all of these fascinating topics that – would be great history topics as well, and in 50 years, they will be history yeah, topics. Yeah, sure, right. You know, just like we're talking about Timothy Leary in the 60s now, we'll be talking about L. Ron Hubbard, even though he's around then. But, like, the impact of, of what Scientology went to is just too recent. Yeah, I it's think. not history yet. Yeah, it's like current we're events, still revising. current affairs. Yeah, we're right. still revising it, and the process of, of revisionism is is unique and good and bad all at the same time. And it's kind of like on the people that are doing the – Sorting all of it out, like that's why any questions I ask you about history is just trying to, or about Hickson is trying to figure yeah, out the, how day, it fits into the historical context of right. jiu-jitsu for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, there's a couple of things back um, on teaching and learning, but that that having someone get over the barrier of thinking that they know all there is to know about it. You know, like I won a world champion, I know all there is about jiu-jitsu. And like, well, maybe not, you know, maybe you could learn this better. Maybe you could learn that better. So it's good to get knocked off your pedestal every now and again. And the school of hard knocks is a fucking fantastic school. It's you, me a lot. you get in there, you embroil with life, you come out and you're like, Phew. you dust yourself off. I'm like, where did I go wrong? And then you sort it out. You know what I mean? And so when you have a lifetime of school of hard knocks, you come up with more efficient ways. Ideally you do. Sometimes you just get beaten down, you give up, and you go into apathy, and you walk away, and you quit. But um, sometimes you can get in there, entangle with life, you get out, or entangle with that situation, and you look back like, man, why did that guy escape that armbar? Everyone escapes my armbar. Maybe I pinch here. Maybe it's weight there. Maybe I change the angle. And then you figure it out, and you get better and better and better. And then you can start to become more impervious. And so that's, like a, that's, that's one thing I learned from Hickson is that he went in with the school of hard knocks, and he learned it and he figured it well, out. Well, you said that too. Like um, <clears throat> We talked about last night people talking shit about things that Hickson says, not necessarily Hickson, because people I feel like people talk, like respect him, uh, other than recently with some 
controversial, and I think that's more to do with the zeitgeist and the spirit of the times about what's going on with this. Yeah, like me too, and yeah, all these I, other. I compare. I do you know anything about McCarthyism? No. So um, McCarthy uh, was a senator during what in history is known as the Second Red Scare. Mm-hmm. And there was a period of time where I would say things like, Jack, you're a communist. And because I just said that, your life is over. Right. Like, Kevin Spacey's life is over. Mm-hmm. And it probably should be. But the unfortunate thing, uh, I mean, and I say that based off of me perceiving the things that came out about him and me knowing someone personally that's from Hollywood that now lives in Russellville that is related to a very, 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 very famous producer. I'm trying to have a scout on the podcast. Mm. Uh, it's actually Jerry Bruckheimer's nephew. Mm. Uh, and he's not going to tell a story on the podcast, but he's had some interactions with Kevin Spacey and a little bit creepy. Yeah. 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 Let's just say like, I have no reason to question that the vast majority of what people are saying about him is absolute truth. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that's going on so much. Like the thing that I know a lot of guys are saying this and I, I like, I just think that the this Olympic doctor is a way better case study for us to leech onto than Ashley Judd. It's like you didn't have to go to dude's hotel room, right? And I'm not trying to stir up any controversy about that. You will. Um, uh, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna hashtag this like. Yeah. You're, you're listen to what this yeah. has, has yeah, to say about exactly. Ashley Judd, but it's like there's inappropriate, and there's you choosing not to go to that dude's hotel room, right? And you know, like, and you get a Grammy as a result, and and then years and years later, and I do think that there's inappropriate stuff that goes on and needs to be dealt with. But I think that some innocent people in this culture are going to get their lives ruined, like Kevin Spacey. They didn't do anything wrong, and that's what I'm worried right. about. Based off the historical past of this McCarthyism, these people, the Screen Actors Guild, like there's a movie just came out with a dude that played Walter White, uh, Brian Cranston, yeah. who's mm-hmm. in that uh, James Franco movie, which was hilarious. Me too. And um, that dude was just in a movie called Trumbo. It's about Dalton Trumbo. Mm-hmm. And it's a dude that got called a communist. And, like, his his career ended. Yeah. All of these actors' careers ended. And it was all because Soviet Union and China had the bomb. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that um, when you come to the topic of public relations, it's very difficult to prove a negative. Yeah. Prove to me you... Are not a drug dealer. Well, well, media uh, just. I don't. I don't. Well, I don't have crack in my car, but that doesn't mean you haven't hit it somewhere else. So, prove to me you're not a drug dealer. Well, my 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 buddy's in the police department. Yeah, so was Walter White's. Okay, prove to me that you're not. And you're like, well, I'm not. I did I ever try to sell you drugs? But like, no, you know what? Rat on you. Well, so prove to me that you're not. Uh, you, it's it's hard to prove a negative. Well, yeah, I, like let's liken back a little bit earlier. Salem witch trials, mm-hmm. same thing. And it's like, yeah, did some you're people that were doing some crazy ass witch no, shit? You're yeah. a witch, so let's put you on a long pole in a chair. If you float, you're a witch. You if ever you see drowned, that movie The Crucible with Daniel Day Lewis no. and Winona Ryder? No, but it sounds awesome. I mean, it's actually a stressful ass, anxious movie. I'm just like, oh. Fuck. Oh man! Oh shit! You know, and like in the very end, like I'm not gonna spoil it. Just watch it. it's, yeah, a, no, it's a worthy one-time watch. It. It's watch. got Daniel Day Lewis in it, and it's, I'm gonna watch oh, it. Yeah. And it's, it's got one other. I'll watch it's it. It's kind of like watching that show. I don't know if you ever watched this show. I only watched the first couple of seasons, but Wilfred about the dog. Yeah, 
in the yeah, <laughs> I love that. Or yeah. about the man. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, dude, Cora could not watch that show because she'd be like, oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, he's involved in that. Oh, no. I can't believe <laughs> I mean, and it does. It makes you anxious. I've heard multiple people say that about the show, Wilfred. But okay, we're, we're going now on like three open topics, four open topics. But you know what show I can't watch is The Fucking Office. That I've sh- tried to get into it so many times thing. and I can't. The only way I can do it is if I have like three people there that love the show and they're all laughing. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like keeping me focused. But that shitty shake cam and that fucking one, like, and it's also just so painful to watch someone so fucking idiotic. I'm like, yeah. oh man, just like the, Okay, but, but I, I want to. Do you mind if I go back? I have like three uh, mental. Dude, tabs. you just do whatever you want, bro. Don't say that because I'm gonna get naked and run through that door again. I mean, hey, it'll be that. off camera. Okay. We'll just like I'll turn up the amp there and we'll get the quality audio. We're just here to have a good time, man. All right, cool. Uh, I wanted to go back to learning um, and teaching styles because that was one. There was a couple of points about that that I never got to articulate. The first obstacle of learning is thinking that you know they're all to know about it. Um, and then, um, man, I had a couple of points that I wanted to say on that, but it was like probably 15 minutes ago, but just about learning styles and teaching and things like that. Um, you know, the reason, oh, and I mentioned this today in the, the class, like everyone has an opinion about a technique and it doesn't mean those opinions are wrong, but when you boil down to the nuts and the bolts about learning and teaching, um, History is a different thing. History is a, um, now you can, I I am welcome to uh, correct it on this, but history is more of a theoretical subject. Jiu-Jitsu is a practical subject. Uh, Physics is a practical subject. Engineering is a practical, like read this, build a freaking bridge, learn an arm bar, go arm bar that guy. History, teach other people about history, not like, you're not going to do history. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I totally agree. I, well, and uh, what I, I think we said way off this, what got me, um, the the process of historical revision mm-hmm. is probably what waters down jujitsu. So like Genghis Khan, for example, I've been talking about this in my class. Like yep. if you haven't ever re- listened to the podcast, Wrath of the Cons by Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, check it out. Okay. I don't read much. I definitely. I don't either. So the audio, but this is an audio podcast. So he just like, and he is so good. He's been on Joe Rogan podcast a couple of times just talking. But um, he's like, hey, there are these people that are historical arsonists. They're creative destroyers, and they're necessary. But go pick up a book like this, or like my Western Civ textbook, which sits in that bag next Mm. to the table which I'm using to draw a minimal amount of lecture notes out of my dad. <laughs> okay. Because they'll say things like, Genghis Khan invaded Western China. And then you'll go do some research and you'll be like, Genghis Khan invaded Western China and killed 5 million people and his troopers uh, raped 7-year-old girls in front of their neighbors in the town square. And they died. And they were consummating their marriage because that 7-year-old was their wife (laughs) like when when you say things like that it's like the process of historical revision is what got it in the textbook the way it is Mm -hmm. which includes none of that shit Mm -hmm. so like i feel that way about your jujitsu is like the process of revision of jujitsu is in in learning it you you just it kind of dumbed it down to the point it's like yeah you know guard this is guard just yeah work on that you know but it's like 
the little nuances and the caveats and how you how to actually learn how to do the guard mm -hmm. like for, the, for example just a plug on your posture like you have a video on top and bottom you mm -hmm. have the posture breaking yeah. you have the posture creating. creating yeah that is unlike anything i've ever seen or done like i didn't learn posture and guard which i've been taught since fucking white belt mm -hmm. Until I was like a purple brown belt. Yeah. I was like purple belt when I found out about it. And it was brown belt by the time I was like. Yeah. I, I can do this. Yeah. Well, the. Um, you got. W what's important in texts. Um, in study. Not necessarily history. And, uh, because that's more of a. I don't know much about history. And I don't know much about teaching history. And I don't know about learning history. But in other subjects. Um, you can create examinations because I'm studying for what's called a Series 65, this li financial license. And the exam questions are going to be, okay, you have this definition of an investment advisor or you have an investment company. Two separate things. They're not even close. But let's say this word investment advisor. It was defined in the Investment Advisor Act of 1940, and it goes A, B, C, D, E. That was a federal definition. But then to make things quote unquote simpler, there is a federal act that dictates how states can define it. And it's A, B, C, D, but E is excluded. Federal act defined A, B, C, D, E as an investment advisor, state act that. Then there was the 1934 Act, and there's also the 1933 Act, and then there's also the, it goes on. On my examination, what I'm going to take probably in two weeks. It sounds like you're taking a history test, bro. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's similar. But when I take this test, they go, here's the definition of an investment advisor. A, B, C, D. Is that the 33 Act, the 34 Act? Is that the oh damn? That is that is... the USA Act or is that the the 1940 Act of blah blah blah? I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with doing my fucking job? You want to put three? Can we talk about 2018? I mean, what's well, it mean now? <laughs> well, yeah, but here's the thing: is like, what does that have to do with Brian wants to put $300 a month aside in this investment? Why does I know what an investment advisor is? What does that fucking date? Sorry, I'm passionate about no, that. We can totally say my, fuck on the podcast. Fuck, 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 fuck. What does the date really have to do with if I'm going to ruin your life by putting you in bad investments or good ones? It doesn't matter. So when you examine someone on a subject, truly to educate them. Not to indoctrinate, not to teach, but truly get an education about a subject. You need the basic rules, the basic rules, the axioms, the fundamental truths, the maxims, like these general sayings that are true about applying stuff. You need how it's done and why it's done, and the doing this details. Like, so if I'm going to teach you an armbar, I don't need to say when the first armbar, like, I'm not to get you your fucking black belt. I'm like, When was the first time? What year and month was Elio Gracie? Judo does that, bro. And it drives me insane. And I, I was going to require that in my people for a minute. And then I was like, no, fuck this. But what's important? Look, weight distribution, posture, timing, when you should do that move or when you should do this move. So when your face is being crushed, it's actually easier to bring them over that way. And when their weight's here, it's easier to do the other one. 
So I'm not going to test you on all this theoretical bullshit. What I'm going to test you on is like, what's important about that move? Here's the important thing is like, if you have all this slack here, it's not going to work. Take the slack out. Okay, good. When do you do the move? Well, you do it in this circumstance. Good. Um, would you do it if they're this? No. Great. Okay, good. Do it and tell me how you're doing it. Boom. And then I would check out your actual physical application of it. Those are the things that are important. And if I teach that way, even in an academic class, I'm going to create students who can absorb, learn the knowledge, and then take it in their life and actually execute it and build a fucking bridge or make a this or do a thing. You know what I mean? So you have rules of business. I'm not going to memorize, have you memorize 87 points, 30 of which are like useless. I'm going to say, what are the most important points about blah? So in personal finance, what's the most important things about blah? Well, man, I got another budget. I got another, I got, those are the important things. Good. That, you know, when the tax law changed and what date, I don't give a shit. Unless I'm a tax attorney and I have to go argue those things, but I, I, that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to help you save money for retirement. So I just need like the basic rules, the axioms, the stable like data that don't change or their self-evident truths, you know, like supply and demand, something like that. Boom, boom, boom. I can go through these main things and then I can create a student who can actually take the information and apply it. So when I teach jujitsu and I learn this through study courses that I've taken, but then I watch the way Hickson teaches, and it's just not his opinion. Here's 17 ways to do it. Figure out which one's the best. He's like, no, this is what's important about the move. If you do that, you're really susceptible of falling over that way. Arm locking. Which is irrefutable. Right. And it, it, it's a, that's an axiom. It's a self-evident truth that if you are 95% overcommitted weight-wise that way, I can push you over with the theory. You blew my mind with the technical mount stuff today. Oh, really? I could. I, I would have loved to have been a. I wish I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in any. Well, lunch you know, with Hickson or whatever. But like him, like he cracks me up the way he is. Oh, good job, Jake. You're such a nice guy. You know. Oh, good job, Hickson. You're so good. <laughs> like he just makes a joke. But I could just picture that dude sitting up and looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, they, uh, that, that's funny. That. Um, that technical mount weight distribution, I showed three escapes all this way, this way, this way, this way, because the guy's weight wasn't. So look, let, let, let's put it this way. You have a technique. You do an arm bar, one, two, three, four. So you can get a guy to memorize this pattern, this pattern, this pattern. But there's no true understanding of it. So what makes that pattern truly work is their posture and their weight distribution. So if you filter every technique through, where is my weight weak? Where is it distributed? Is my posture good or broken? You can now get just those two concepts. You can apply that to everything you've ever learned in jujitsu and make everyone better. Like, theor- like I don't actually have the brain power for that. I just rely on guys that are better than me to like, he's like, look, here's what I figured out about the weight and posture. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Okay, I'm going to teach that now. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not necessarily in the move, the mode where I'm making up new moves, but those guys are. But I could make new moves because I, I. I'm now getting to the point where I'm really sort of like understanding that essence, and I can check weight and distribution. I can't. And, there, and I would have to run some things by you, but these these things that you're they're mentioning pressure or. Uh, well, I had a guy the other day. Hold on, I just want to say yeah, like. Go ahead. 
I'm not to the point of inventing shit, but when people bring me shit, I had a, my uh, Jason Friesen, fucking sick ass brown belt, good guy, good guy, dude. He's like, bro, I did this and that, boom, and he's like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, you're about to crack my ribs, and he's like, I know, right? I'm like, cool, don't move, bang, and I rolled him over, and he's like, wait, let's do that again. I'm like, cool, and I'm like, it's so much pressure, and I'm like, but you're you're overcommitted, bang, and I just reversed him. And um, anyway, uh, I can't. That guy's actually really good at inventing moves. Like I've showed him a couple things. I've ran into people like that. Yeah, no, he comes back and he's like, "Dude, I took what you showed me, and look at these things." I'm like, "Every one of those is sick, except for wait, do that one again, and I can maybe find a hole in it." But he's got this inventive mind that's good. But um, anyway, yeah. So I'm not at the point where I'm going to invent new jujitsu. But I do understand the principles where I can at least fact check. Yeah, sure. Fact check uh, jujitsu to a degree. And then I'll probably bring it to Hicks and then he'll come in, bro. Because he's. <laughs> Which is process of revision, man. Yeah. Right. You know, I, that's, I, I, that's what I'm doing with you in a, in a big way. I mean, it's just like, hey, is this valid? And that's why I was, uh, mentioned a second ago is like, there's things that, you, that I've learned from you. Or, or from the Hickson Seminar, which were things that, that re-illustrations of the same concepts, like which I'd say the the biggest principles that I have tapped into is distribution of weight, mm -hmm. connection, and the middle. Yeah, the middle. The middle is the biggest one for me. That's like, but connection. I'm always like, like, and it's like I and like a lot of times I like you mentioned this today or or Dream did one. It's like. Sometimes I'm just paying lip service to that idea because like, you're Dude. showing that one today with the shoulder that mm -hmm. I kept having a hard time with. Mm -hmm. I was just like previously before you come in here was just using my arm gotta, for that. I got to connect. You got to connect. You got to connect. Yeah. I was just I was doing my arm and I was connecting my arm to their body mm -hmm. instead of my shoulder, mm -hmm. and that changed that escape for me. Mm -hmm. And that was like in that moment it was I was like ah, nothing. Yeah, and that's the thing is where... it, which is good. I, how am I ever going to get better if I don't feel like I'm nothing? Right. Yeah, well, you got to get knocked Oddly off your pedestal enough. and uh, not think you know all there is to know about it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, and I think that. And then, um, you know, it's funny. I had, uh, I got invited to this group three weeks ago. Um, uh, AJ White is his name. I thought you were going to say Agrazam or Agrazam. Agrazam. Whatever the hell his name is. You know I, what? I, uh, like I don't I don't like his online um, marketing persona. persona, but I've met him 15, 20 times. We've hung out a couple times. He's always been really nice to me. I couldn't so. believe how humble acting he was against Gordon Ryan's little brother at ATCC. I, I, like, I, I know that he's... Been a lot of controversial shit, but he yeah. like that the sixteen year old kid, and he raised his hand, and it was just very. That's cool. I didn't. I didn't. It see was. It. it go go watch that video if you get a chance. But I I ch that that one the way he was with that kid because I mean was that's cool. sixteen years old. Yeah, I mean he's yeah. a kid to me. Yeah, right. That changed my opinion of him. Well, I'm I'm not gonna vouch for him or talk shit about him, but I'll I'll just tell you this funny story. My brother lives in Florida. There's this guy Adriano Adriano de Limo. Adrian, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on the exact pronunciation. Uh, he's a fourth or fifth degree Gracie Baja guy. Old school as fuck. Adriana de Lima. 
He's got a black belt in Chicago. You might know him. Um, I got this problem remembering names all the time. Um, I got this problem remembering a lot of shit. Uh, Falco. Falco Jiu-Jitsu. He just took... Uh, I've heard that name. Silver at Nogi Pan Ams. Fucking rad, dude. Um, anyway, th- there's all these guys in Clearwater, Florida, because that Jiu-Jitsu school's been there like 30 years, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. There's like 25, 30 black belts in that area from uh, Delima. Anyway, so I was there because my brother lives in that area, and that school was two blocks from my brother's house. And I literally took one of those uh, penny board skateboards and would skateboard down and go train jiu-jitsu, and he would just welcome me to the academy and like, yeah, go ahead and train, brother. And uh, the, the, do you know Aesopian, Matt Kirtley? Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard of that. Like, that's a unique fucking name. So Aesopian. He's a black belt under um, the Lima... But he's like super, super huge on Reddit. And also just a really technical, awesome black belt. But anyway, um, I know a couple of those dudes. So I've known him for a long ass time. My buddy John trains down there. He's one of the main instructors. But um, I went in there and then AJ was in the class. And that, that's how I met him. And he was like, yeah, hey, what's up, dude? And he was like super cool. And I ran into him at a casino and he was super cool. And I saw him at EBI. He was super cool. So it's not like we're friends. I forgot you went to the EBI more than a couple of times. You've been at Metamorris too, right? I've never seen a live Metamorris. Okay, I couldn't remember if you went, but awesome on going to the EBI. I would love to go to the EBI. Yeah, I've got like three of them. My my buddy Eddie and my other uh, buddy Secor competed there. Was it Eddie Fivey? Yeah. Excellent. That, that's a that's a that's a fucking great. Uh, you dude. introduced uh, me to him at the seminar, uh, but that dude's he's his name is out there. I keep keep running into. I don't. I don't I he's have, now on Hickson's uh, global. It's on the board, therapy. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the board, but he is part of it. He's a member. But that guy is um, one a fascinating dude. High level student of jujitsu, high level student of life, and uh, just a just a really great human being. Like I really, I just genuinely admire that dude. But um, yeah, he's got a school up there in New York, and he's got he's got guys in the UFC uh, show. Anyway, he's got guys in uh, Metamor, not Metamorphs, but um, the other fight organ. Fight not, to win. Strike no? Force. Strike Force. Yeah, other other things. Uh, Bellator. Bellator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, strike force with the same guy. Uh, okay, real quick, Sedgway. I've been pro- uh, proliferating this concept. I Did think you the Fertitta. I think the Fertitta brothers own Bellator. They probably do. Like why? Oh is yeah, it, you were saying that the other day. Scott right? Coker it's like this is like crazy like conspiracy theory. And the UFC sucks now in terms of like if you were a fan of like uh, GSP and shit five years ago, mm-hmm. and you look at GSP fight right now, you're like it's just not the same. Yeah, you know, or like just. Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner. Shit is not the same. It's like, no, you cannot wear that sponsor shirt. You will wear the Reebok shirt, and that is it. Uh, just some of the changes they made, like the uniforms, the Reebok deal, the USADA situation, which I'm not against, but I don't think you can regulate steroids. I do not think you can regulate steroids. People like Rance Lance Armstrong are getting blood transfusions. I guarantee you that's what John Jones is doing. And I don't believe that you can regulate steroids. We talk about the. Olympics. Do you hear about this thing that they're um? There's these like old dudes that will get blood transfusions from like 25 year olds, and so they get this like Keith Richards from Young uh, Blood. The Rolling Stones are called. They they actually have a term for those people: blood bitches. 
Yeah, you're my blood bottom bitch. What's up? <laughs> give me those quarts. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, I've yeah. Heard this she, bitch is worth like eight quarts. Yeah, keeps you young, but also um, I've heard Keith Richards does it for this reason, and this is this is hearsay or a conspiracy or whatever. But that Keith Richards, if you watch interviews of him in like the seventies or eighties on YouTube, that motherfucker is geetered out of his mind. Yeah, but what about Keanu like, Reeves? That guy has never aged. <laughs> I know that's wild too. Uh, that you he's know, you're not the like, only person, my buddy Jesse. He's, he's got here. like nine blood bitches. But uh, Keith Richards was super addicted to heroin in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, at yeah, least no, the 70s. his leather face. And it's his, like him and his e- teeth e- are Pop. coming out. Yeah, kind of like look. Yeah. So the rumor is, is that Keith Richards never got off heroin. Mm-hmm. Never, and that. When you go, so he'll go on these little mini leg tours or the Rolling Stones will do their 978th tour together, which I hear is still fucking awesome. Dude, uh, I would go see that shit. I would too. I would I'd too. Go I've see heard Sharon, their live dude. show. Is like, a, there's some people that are just fucking made of music. Yeah, I'd go see that. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the experiences I dig. I mean, I go see a lot of concerts. And What's I'm, his name? Uh, Pinball Wizard. Oh, who is the pinball? Dude. Fucking Matumba. Oh, like um, mm. Elton John. Yeah, okay, yeah. He's playing some, in Arkansas really some, soon, actually. Yeah, that's funny. There's some fucking mega superstars that, like, even though I don't like that style of music, they're so iconic and so good at what they've done and created. I'm like, I would, I, I have to go see that. You know, I don't like Britney Spears. I don't like Madonna. I would go to a Madonna show. I would go to Britney Spears show. I'd go to a Madonna show just because she fucked Guy Ritchie. All right. I mean, I mean, I watched Snatch. That, the other I mean, night that's a, that's and, uh, a, that's I'm a good do, enough reason. I'm gonna do a podcast review on that movie, uh, King Arthur. So I've been doing this. Uh, oh, like, I want to see that segment called yeah, After the that. Show. Okay. It's really good, dude. I mean, I'm critical of it in some in some facets, but I got. Well, I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. Go ahead. Uh, this girl I worked with. Um, what am I? I'm 37 now. I was probably, let's say I was 30 years old. She might have been 45. I don't know if she was hitting on me or not, but she goes, yo. So I got this ticket to go see uh, cra- Crash Into Me. Um, what is that? Crash Into Me. Oh, dude, I'm going to see Dave Matthews in May. We d- Yeah. Okay. Not in f- Arkansas. Not a fan. I, you know, I'm, hold on. Kinda, wait, wait, I'm wait. wondering. Uh, wait, I haven't wait. seen him either. Wait. Wait. No, but hold on. Wait. Not a fan. Went to the show, blown the fuck away. Live performance. It was one of the best. It was it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. I was taken aback. I reevaluated everything about music or about his music. I'm like holy shit, the best fucking show ever. And then it, I didn't even know who this drummer guy was, but I was so blown away by this dude. It was the most on time. And I don't, I don't, I'm not even a fan of drummers. This guy's drumming was effortless. And it was perfect timing. He made it look easy. And they just fucking jammed. And it was one of the best shows I've it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. That and like being on stage with Skrillex with like thirty thousand people. I was on but it was so that show. Uh um Skrillex and then uh seeing Gwar. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, wow. Yeah, so uh, didn't three you, very didn't different. Did you kick shows. it in Vegas to Skrillex one time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I, uh, I, mean, I think sunny, I, 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 Skrillex. Whatever. A couple, yeah, a couple times. I was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. 
Just a normal dude, right? Kind of. I mean, a weird ass emo kid. No, no, no. Well, well, as far as a human being, normal as fuck. Uh, almost normal as fuck. There was something about him. We all because this was after he left that band from first to last. Funny, I was like, I was down in San Diego, and we started. I started talking to my Starbucks barista about music. Like, oh, I listen to this shit, and blah blah blah. Like, oh, my last, I went and saw this band first to last. I was like, oh, I know, I know that, I know that dude. And she's like, well, what dude? I was like, the singer guy. And she's like, you know, you know, Sonny Moore. I was like, yeah, he's my na- so he's my funny. neighbor, but I didn't know he was famous. I didn't so know I, his name was Sonny Moore. <laughs> yeah. So I, I go back and I'm like. Hey, Sonny, I, I was in San Diego, and this uh, Starbucks barista girl like knew you. And he was like, yeah, no, I, my, my band was pretty big. I was like, you're, you're, I knew you did, like, like, you did like guitar or something. He's like, no, I was a singer, and I played guitar for this band. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even know that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, we were, we were pretty big. And I was like, well, how big? Because, I mean, San, that's far away. Like, San Diego, this girl knows you. And he goes, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 37, so at that time, I'm like, I'm 28. He goes, oh, okay, so do you know NoFX? I'm like, do I that know? Mike? Do I know NoFX? That is the only fucking band that got me through my teenage years. Fuck yeah, I know NoFX. He's like, yeah, I was, I was as big as NoFX. I was like, what? That, that, that's big time. He goes, yeah, I was actually on the same record label. I'm like, you were on Fat Records? He was like, yeah, that's, that's my label. That was my label. I quit the band. I had some shit with the band in my throat, my fucking, like... Anyway, and, he, it, and then now he's Skrillex. And dude, I love his music. He's good, dude. I, he's, I, he's, I've got tons of his songs on the playlist. And I, I, I quite just like putting him on shuffle on Spotify. He's, he, that guy is... His DNA, we're talking about Hickson, like being... He, like Hickson is jujitsu. Skrillex is music. Not like he's like the pinnacle of all music. He's just made out of music. And he thinks in R&B. He thinks in pop. He thinks in dubstep. He thinks in fucking like, let's get angry. And like, let me just create the most fucking angry song that's ever been. He goes, let me create the most like sensitive, like love. Like, I don't know. Like I just can put into music the whole breadth of emotion. And he can make a song about it. And you feel it. He's a, he's a true artist. That's uh, what I mean. I feel that way about uh, a lot of bands and their live performances. There's a band I really enjoy. It's my favorite band, Widespread Panic. Oh yeah, their studio albums are good. They're okay. Yeah, but like when you see them live, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Like it's special. And I've heard uh, Joe Rogan said this recently uh, about Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. That's a we were just talking about them. Like they're. You go see them live. There's this this special thing that doesn't exist on the studio album. Right, like they've refined the song. Right, like let's say um, "Start Me Up" by the Chili or by uh, the Rolling Stones. Song came out forever ago, and the way they play it now is mm-hmm. not the same. That's cool, and it's it's on a whole other level type of a situation. That's how my buddy Colby just saw Widespread Panic four nights at the Hard Rock in, which Vegas. Real quick, Sedgway, love you, bro. Last year, I got to go see Widespread Panic for my honeymoon because of the seminar you taught in my gym. Wait, what? Yeah, dude. You took that money? Yeah, like, like what? Uh, that I, I, I don't know that, that I don't know how this that was, all. That was our honeymoon. I have no so, idea this comes together. So real quick, so like I don't know how that relates to me in one. Our good friend Jack, um, I my wife and I just I heard that guy was a piece of shit. 
Yeah, I heard that too, but <laughs> I'm here to debunk those myths through this podcast. Okay. okay? Yeah. So I'm I'm here to prove otherwise. My wife and I, we get married. You come to the wedding. Uh, it was a great time at the wedding. It was a great time. Uh, such fond memories. I'm I'm very very glad you came, man. Uh, it was it meant a lot to me being there. Uh, and all jujitsu aside and everything, I consider you a total bro. Yeah, yeah, you're my bro. So, but uh, you. You said that you wanted to donate the seminar money. The, you came and did a seminar the night before the wedding, and um, yourself and other people donated some money just as like for our wedding. Mm -hmm. And you're like, hey, I just want to gift this. I heard you guys are doing it. So Cora and I, we both love White Super Panic. We were able to go to the Riviera Maya in Mexico. It's uh, the Hard Rock Casino. It's a resort, and these little these little Hispanic men drive you around on golf carts, <laughs> and I saw these crazy raccoon monkey. It was awesome. And uh, Panic, every year, plays there for four nights. Okay. And it's a very expensive deal, um, very uh, luxurious. All your all your food and alcohol is paid for. It's kind of like going on a cruise, but you don't have to be on the boat in your favorite yeah. band there. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. My buddy Colby just got back from this shit like two nights ago. Mm -hmm. Like, we went there. Like, he stayed on the other side of the resort. and But... He and I have seen widespread panic together like like seven excuse me, like seven times. And every time it's different. Like like some See, nights I some like nights that. are slow, some yeah. nights are fast, some yeah. nights they're bunk. Yeah. That's some cool. nights they're like their lead singer has a wow voice. <laughs> like there's a song they did with this guy that was paralyzed. They were in a band they did this side project band with this dude named Vic Chestnut that was paralyzed from like like the chest down he wasn't like full-on quadra he could like yeah move uh -huh. his arms a little bit so he could play guitar but they did um <coughs> they did this song with him and like uh last year they played it and i've heard him play it before live they played it in arkansas once live and uh they sent this this little line where it's like really slow about the mushrooms in your mouth and all this crazy shit Whoa. and uh it's and he's like the mushrooms in my mouth <laughs> And I never have I heard that dude do it that way live. Oh, cool. I've listened to I've, – I've, like, went on YouTube and looked at that version of that song. It's called Protein Drink by Widespread <laughs> Panic. And it's really not by Widespread Panic. This dude, Vic Chestnut, died of, of a prescription drug. Oh, shit. Because he's paralyzed. He's on pain, pain pills yeah, all yeah, the yeah. time. And did, he, did he OD on purpose, do you think? Uh, or is... I don't think so. You, do you know who Ricky Lundell is, speaking of Pedro Sauer earlier? No. He's a Pedro Sauer black belt. And his brother recently died uh, – was like somewhat paralyzed and had these back surgeries and overnight he just his med combination was wrong he's one of those people that legit needed it and his blood pressure all fucked up like my dad's mm. and he died in his sleep and that's the same thing with this chip, big chestnut it's like comes a point where like your blood pressure drops so much your heartbeat gets so faint that you yeah. don't come back yeah that's why, like, a lot of people are liking um, the opioid stuff to tripping. They're like, that was a cool sound. Yeah, that was like, <laughs> that was like one of those weird burps. Like, <laughs> I, had, I had one of those earlier. Yeah, I was like, fuck, this is about to, do I move away from the mic or do I just, like, <laughs> just fucking let it go so we <laughs> yeah. can have this. I, try, I was trying to be a good host, like, guest and just be like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. But, uh, Opioid. That's that's the a tragedy with the, uh, that. Yeah, Ricky Lundell. If you haven't, this dude, if you're not charting that guy, uh, maybe look into him. Yeah, yeah I, you I'm know really what? inspired by him. I was uh, when I was on my way to California last time. It's been a couple of years since I've been out to you. Um, 
but I was like sitting in the airport at like four thirty in the morning, and like this dude always comments on my Instagram shit, and he was like, "Good luck at Worlds, Brian." And I was like, damn, dude, thanks, bro. Like, this is like an NCAA wrestler. He's the only oh. NCAA wrestler that never fucking wrestled in high school, if I'm not mistaken, on that step. Wow. This dude is, uh, I mean, he's plugged into the he source, just, yeah. much like yourself uh, with Pedro. So um, his dad does jiu-jitsu. His brother did jiu-jitsu until his thing with his back came up. But this dude, like, if you go to his Instagram, he's like, he does, like, a front handspring but doesn't use his hands. He just uses his head. <laughs> And like lands like in a pistol squat. Yeah, and I'm like, Are you fucking kidding no me, bro? You know, th- th- some of that stuff is so <laughs> inspiring. Like, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, JJ, he just sent me this uh, break. It wasn't necessarily break dancing, but sent me this like break dance video. Of this girl, man, there are some insanely talented people that can take a skill level to like level f- fifteen. Um, I-, I love that. So uh, a guy who's uh, for all intents and purposes, paralyzed, he can do a f- front handspring with his head. That's yeah. I Have you ever it. seen that classic? Um, it's like a viral judo video. It's a dude getting uchi modded. Do you know? Are you familiar? It's the in between the legs leg throw. Like I turn around and your back's on my or your stomach's on my back. Like a hip throw basically. Mm-hmm. But I put my leg between your legs and reap it. Uh huh. And it takes your other leg out. I think I know what you're talking about. It's called the throw of the kings. It's the highest percentage throw in Olympic judo, mm-hmm. next to like Sayanagi. Oh yeah, I thought it was gonna be some crazy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. There's a there's a classic viral video out there of a dude. Uh, I'll see if I can't uh, too late. I'll see if I can't uh, edit this in after we get done. But uh, by the way, you take a shitload of notes. Like, what are all these notes? Hashtags. Oh. Oh, yeah. Hashtags and then two stuff that I might want to look up later or stuff that I might want to ask you about in 20 minutes. Okay, cool. So it's it's a multi-eclectic thing. I need the young Jamie, bro. Jamie, Jamie, pull that shit up on YouTube. Pull that shit up. Like, we're still looking at ourselves. No, no. I need a 1980 Olympic uh, third match. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, we say yeah, so we can memorize who the fucking Jimmy Pedro is for our uh, bite belt testing or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for all the things that are important about judo. Yeah. So, um, what were we talking about before we got off on that? I don't know, man. I tuned you out like two hours. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> Eight minutes I just, in. I, yeah, I, I, no, I'm only here just to hear myself talk, <laughs> which I'm which actually sounds doing. Weird. Yeah. No, actually, <laughs> the, you know the weirdest thing is through my whole entire life. When I hear a recording of my voice, it sounds weird. Not it sounds now. the same to me. It sounds the same as when we talk. That's what's it's weird. I think no, it's our own eardrums. It, no, but hearing it now, does do you feel weird hearing your own voice now? I do. I, I feel like it's way softer, and it could be just like uh, it could be because I'm I'm manipulating it myself because like I, I I don't know you, you're trying it's to a psychological yeah, thing m- modulate it somehow. Yeah, I am uh, talking and I'm like. Yeah, I don't sound weird like I used to. I don't know why. It's funny. There's a dude. Been, he was on um, the last couple of Fridays. It's a dude I go to a lot of concerts with. And um, he's been doing my music unraveled spots with me. So if we go to a concert, we like the next day review it. Yeah. And we're just like, it was so awesome, bro. Ur- Do you remember Ur- the part? Yeah. And uh, he's just like, dude, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm like Alex Jones. I can't. Yeah, yeah. I thought it would be I, I thought it would be tripping balls having this thing on, but yeah, no, it doesn't sound weird. I, I'm used to it now. I said this is my seventh. I think it's the seventeenth episode we've done. I, I, my goal is to do 100 episodes this year, mm-hmm. and I think I'm going to smash that because I'm doing so many different spots: sports, history, 
which I can't wait for the I'm one actually, I'm episode. I'm changing sports to it's just like it's gonna either be jujitsu or MMA. I mean, yeah, well, it, it's popular enough. The NFL. I can't wait for the one time where you're like your guest no shows you and you get your fucking little Hicks and doggy in here. And you're like, bro, sit down, put the little earmuffs on. What do you think like, about living wait, here in the house? Wait, wait, treat. And he's like, he gets like, he's got Tell us pee. about that time you yeah. fell in the pond out yeah. back with the ice. By the way, I saw this rad video. I grew up in Utah, right, as a little kid. So, you that's know. Where, and that's where you trained with Pedro, right? Yeah. That's where you got introduced. Yeah. And uh, you, you know what was rad about my dad was um, he didn't, babe, like, I grew up in a time where. I'm trying to like you. You're in Arkansas, and it's very different than California. Very, so very different. Very uh, different. Yeah. But not about weed, and not about like gays and shit like that. But it's different about like parenting, and it's different about. I used to ride my bike. Conservative 15- values. No, no. What I'm saying is like, well, yeah, not cons- not that. That's not what I'm talking about. But that is that is a, uh, probably a part of it. Yeah, sure. Give me some of that shit. But um, I used to fucking break out of the babysitter's house and then get on my bike and run away and end up 15 miles away on my bike and then ride back at five years old and then come back before the uh, sun was down and it's all good. Like, what'd you do? Like, oh, yeah, I stuck out of the babysitter's house. I went to that park, you know, like 10 miles that way. And then I, I jumped in the pond and I wrestled like six ducks. And then, um, you know, I uh, fine part, man. I yeah, and then I, I I hitchhiked back home. I'm like, cool. And that was like, all right, nice Wednesday. Go to bed. You got you know school in the morning. And I would walk to school by myself. I didn't get driven. It was just a different time. It was a free time. It wasn't. Were, um, you, were, uh, were, were you raised as a Mormon? No. Okay. No. I mean, you mentioned. I have Utah. a really cool story about Mormonism, though. Yeah, I mean, go for it. I will say this: like, um, I get really. Mormonism fascinates me, and a good friend of mine is Mormon, so I try to like you know. But talk to uh, him about it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's it is fascinating to me. Not like I would like to take it up or anything. But ninety percent of my friends growing up in like my father grew up in Utah. Um, my grandfather Justin Edward Toffer was a Mormon, kind of high up dude. My mom, her family, came down from Washington State and moved to Utah specifically because there was a naturopath um i wouldn't say like i don't know anything about the dude i just actually found this out like eight years ago i'm like why the fuck did you guys end up in utah like a homeopathic but just a naturopath doctor like take vitamins don't eat shitty shit you know like whatever like a holistic kind of doctor so my mom's family came down from washington state ended up in utah my dad they'd been in utah for a long time so my grandfather was kind of high up Mormon dude. My father, I think, left the church at age of twenty, and then had me when he was like forty. So it was like you know, Nate was raised uh, super traditional Mormon. Yeah, I didn't know that. I have a few friends that uh, in California that were raised Mormon. Um, anyway, so um, n- my dad had left the church. Let's call it twenty. Five years before the story was being told definitely not mormon but didn't harbor any resentment or anything like that towards the church he's like yeah i'm not mormon that's not my thing my mom's like i don't grow up mormon so they had us right but I, I came home i'm like eight i think i was eight years old and i come home one day i'm like mom 
dad, you need to have a talk. And they're like, okay, Jack. I'm like, you, you need, we need to talk. Um, mom and dad, sit down. I would like to be a Mormon. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, why? And I was like. I cannot picture you said leading out with this conversation. No, I'm like, no, mom, dad, I want to be a Mormon. And um, they're like, okay, well, why? I was like, well, I want, I want to join the Boy Scouts. And they go, that's okay. You, you By the way, just so you that's know. It's big in the Mormon culture. Yeah, it's huge. huge. But I go, by the way. I want to I want to join the the Boy Scouts and they go that's cool you know you don't have to be a Mormon to do that and I go but no but they believe in God and um, I, I want to be a Mormon mom I'm like okay well you know that you don't have to be a, a Mormon to be a Boy Scout I was like mom and dad I'm telling you I want to be a Mormon and they're like okay cool so um, my dad left the church in his twenties he's like forty something at the time next Sunday rolls around. My mom and my dad, I remember there was these gray slacks, a white shirt, and a clip-on tie. I'm like, it, it's the not best put, kind. He's like, dude, put, put the pants on. Go, go in your room put your pants on. I come out. Mom's like, let me tuck your shirt in. She tucks it in, puts his little clip-on tie, and she's like, have a great day at church with your friends. Okay, oh, okay cool. I go to church, do the thing, come back home. They're like, how was it? I'm like, it was good. I learned about the Lord Jesus Christ and, like, you know, that shit. I didn't phrase it that way. I think it was like six months. Okay, I was a kid. It could have been two two weekends, but for me, it was like eight years of Mormonism. It's a big part of your life. Yeah, <laughs> it's a solid. <laughs> it could have been three months, but literally every weekend for let's call it three months. Went to church. Went to church. Went to church, and then um, one day I remember there was like one Sunday. I don't even know what it's called, but there was one Sunday every month that you had to go. You didn't have to, but you would go up. And you go, I'm like an eight-year-old kid, and there's like a hundred people in this beautiful church. And I would be like... They do have really... Uh, it's uh, architecture. It's really pretty. It really Especially is. in the, that region. That's yeah. like their mecca. Right. Yeah, and they respect that, and they have it. And the, the, the building that I was at was new and all that. But I was like, you know, I forget what you say. Like, hello, congregation. Or like, yo, what's up, y'all? I don't know what I said, but it was like, hello, everyone. My name's Jack. Um, I love being here. I love all you guys. And then um, I love Jesus Christ, and I like good food, and I like school. And I, you just make up shit to say that you like. And then you thank everyone for that. And there was this, like, it's kind of like, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic of Virginia. You just say this last part. And it was like something or other, blah, blah, blah. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I know this church is true. You just you said this thing at the end of it all the time. You just say it. You just say it. You just say it. And then my dad's like, he's tying my tie. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, I'm, I'm so nervous, Dad. Like, Why are you nervous? I'm like, oh, no, today's Super Sunday. I don't know if it was sacrament. I don't know if it, I don't know what the word is for it. I'm like, oh, today's, I you just, know. I just gave a lecture on sacraments, might I add. What? Go, go ahead. I just gave a lecture on sacraments. <laughs> There's okay. seven different kinds. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I just said this thing. I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's. Joe Blow Sunday. And he's like, why, why are you nervous? I'm like, well, I, well, I got to go up and I got I to gotta talk in front of everyone. He's like, you have to? I'm like, well, no, but I'm going to. But he's like, well, why are you going to do that? I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it. 
But, Dad, here's what I say is I tell everyone, 100 people, Dad, how much I love you and Mom. I'm a salesman through and through. And he's like, uh, okay, um, do, do you have to say it? I'm like, no, but I'm going to tell everyone how much I love you guys and that I love school. Like, super salesman, right? And uh, long story short, he goes, well, what, what, when you go up there, what do you say? And I go, I, I, I tell him about, I love you guys. I like my family. I like, like good food. I like my school. I like improving my life. And I know this church is true. And he just, eight years old, he goes, cool. Can I ask you one question? He's like, yeah. And I go, do you know that church is true? I'm like, Dad, you, you say that you like this, you like that, you like that, and you know the church is true. And he goes, yeah, no, I'm not arguing with that. That's cool. But do you know the church is true? I was like, never. I didn't even think about that. He was like, oh, okay. And he just kept tying my tie. I was like, I don't know if this church is true. Anyway, so I had a, a brief uh, three-month Mom stint. Mom, disrespection, yeah. I had a three-month stint with uh, the Mormon church. By the way, almost all the Mormons I met, the, the, one, the one aspect of that church that I really, really admire is like part of their principle is to be industrious. So like work your ass off. Like you it, said that you said that on the way here. Yeah. Name want, get your goals, work your ass off, go for it. And I really like that aspect of the church. And uh most of the Mormons that I've ever known in my life are good people. I will say that too. Yeah. Uh every Mormon and I am person definitely, I've ever met was a great person. My wrestling what I would I call him my wrestling coach. He's a guy that moved here. He teaches history at tech college in our town. And uh I mean he was he got his degree from UNLV and I mean he's grew up in University of Las Vegas yeah. is that a Mormon church like I know BYU is no, BYU but Hawaii there's a, there's a big Mormon Large. contingent yeah in that area ironically this guy was also on the show Pawn Stars a yeah. Pawn Stars yeah it's his oh, claim to yeah. fame uh, which he doesn't claim or whatever but Bobby definitely he's famous because he was on yeah. Pawn Stars right. this dude is my wrestling coach he's 6'6 350 yeah. There's a guy's telling you, like, yeah, we have that yeah. NFL, the guy, NFL guy, and he's, like, guy, looking he's up. Like, he's the only person. <laughs> like, like, for years, we've been looking up at our <laughs> wrestling coach, and then this this guy comes in that's played for the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, and he's looking up at him. I'll never forget the first night that that NFL dude came in, and, like, yeah. our wrestling coach is like, hey, man, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> hey. Hey. How's the weather up there? Yeah, I mean, which uh, – it's always nice to have bigger guys. I've had some bigger yeah. guys in the past that like existed in a gym of people under 200 pounds mm -hmm. and they'd be like, Oh man, you know, I wish we had bigger guys. And I will say like that guy, Bobby, that was at the seminar today. I probably, oh yeah. I looked, around, dude? yeah. I looked around a noon class. That's a big boy. That is a bite about karate too. He's done martial arts his whole life. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cause it, I was like, his, his weight distribution was pretty good. Like he I'm put it, I was like that. Cause I've encouraged him. He has an artificial hip. Wow. I've encouraged him to be a pressure player. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, you you're know, 46, or I think he's 46. I was going to pull him aside and tell him, I'm like, yo, you, you got this weird thing because you're a big dude and you're taught to use technique, 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 but using weight is technique. So you're going to self-impose trying to be light and a sissy and not crush people. So it's kind of a weird predicament to be a big guy and it learning jujitsu because... Everyone's like, oh, you're using strength. And I'm like, well, if you put your weight in the right spot, you're not using strength, you're using weight. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to use strength to pour that bottle of uh, ground here in a second. You know, it's like uh, Dring, Dring says it all the time. He's like, you can't do jujitsu on some level 
without using some strength. Of course. Especially it's, it's like I'm trying to hold you inside mount and when you try it's, and eh, it's I'm your gonna... muscles against my muscles. It is. Um but then there's leverage, timing and technique. Yo, I gotta piss real bad. I kinda do too. And, uh, I feel like we're... we have two bathrooms in the house and uh, You wanna cross streams? And a pause. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, and there's a pause button on the Mac, so uh, how, we'll just go ahead and pause we it. Uh, we're at two twenty. We're at two twenty-two, so uh, we could uh, we could wrap it up now, and just uh, have you back on in about six months or something. Uh, it's your or, call. Uh, or we could come on back. Um, you tell me, man. I just have to pee, and then uh, I'm gonna chat what? for a little bit longer. Yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, do how that. about yeah? I was gonna say, why don't we do that, and then uh, let's wind the podcast down because it would be kind of an abrupt ending. I don't feel like definitely, that's... definitely. I got a. Um, you gotta at least tell the Diaz brothers to worry. Because <laughs> like, last time we like, hung out, you like I'm like, oh, you will see you later, Jack. Uh, and then you ended up filming videos for Maynard and uh, or something like that, and hanging out with the Diaz brothers. I don't know. All right, yeah, never met Maynard yet, but um, well, didn't you? Did, it, w- am I cor- incorrect in assuming? Did you not tell me that? Um, like Maynard text Hickson at dinner and was like, "Hey, congrats on your yeah, red belt." That was and then he Eddie was Fivey. like, "Hey, let me film this yeah, video that was or something." Eddie Fivey was texting Maynard and Hickson, and they were like chatting back and forth. Yeah, legit. Uh, I'm a, I actually saw a Tool in concert in 2017, first time. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, my buddy Colby and I, who I mentioned that we went to Mexico with, uh, thanks to you, my bro. Uh, he, um, we may go see a perfect circle, which is also a main yeah, in yeah. Dallas mm-hmm. here, uh, May 26th. Perfect circle. Um, Pussifer. Pussifer. And tool. And then tool. Yeah. Three yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, all right. We'll, we'll pause. But, uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, Jack Toffer is timeless. I don't remember what we were saying before that, but they, they uh, call me Timeless Toffer. Just timeless. Hey, hey, you know, I was uh, I was talking to my history class the other day, and I was like, hey, you know, Christopher Columbus. You don't need to remember the date, but it's 1492, and uh, you just say 1490s, you get an A, and um, but you can remember it if you want because it rhymes with the ocean blue thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, dude, podcasting. I want, you know, um, part of it was I was saving up to kind of do it because there's actually a considerable amount of audio equipment in this room. Yeah, but I was wanting to podcast for over a year. Like I like I had an uh, I had an idea. I was just like, man, I really. I, I I listen to podcasts. I don't have I don't have television. I don't have the news. So, like, I listen to these other personalities come on people's shows, much like yourself that you're doing right now. And that's uh, that's where I draw a lot of uh, other Content people's from. interpretations on current events yeah. and things like that of that nature. So Yeah, I, I um, actually, until a week ago, I don't have cable. I uh, just had internet, and I would stream just only movies to my TV and sometimes series through, like, Netflix and shit, uh, Hulu. But... Yeah, I don't need to watch the daily TV. And it's really funny. I feel like I didn't realize this until now, but I feel like TV series kind of dumb you down. You just you just sit down and you zone out and you just you just you fall watch into a show hole. Yeah, and you just watch this never ending series and you're like, but you know, okay, so I, I'm gonna be a hypocrite here. What but, series are you talking about real quick for us to use as an example? I don't know, like The Simpsons or like... Um, yeah, I know, like 25 years or some shit, The South yeah, Park. You, yeah, you just watch and you watch and you watch and you watch and every night you just sit down and you watch and you watch. 
Um, whereas movies, it has a quick beginning and end. And, um, but like I, that being said, I fucking loved Narcos. I love, like there's these TV series that are one, two, three seasons, but I don't know, for some reason when it's online and you can kind of condense it versus just drag it out. So now I have like 220 channels. I got Google fiber and I got like 220 channels and I find myself, this is less than one week. I haven't been in my play, like less than a week. At the end of the night, I'm like, cool, I got my shit done. What am I going to do? Normally, I would find something to do, and now I'm just going to, like, I literally sit back and I just turn it on. I'm like, find something to numb my existence. You know, I just, wa I'm like, I don't like that. So I think I might get rid of the 220 channels and just. Go back to streaming. Yeah, just when I want to watch a series or if I want to watch an episode, I can do that. You know what's crazy to me is how, how much YouTube has transformed over the last five years. I really like I, I like YouTube. I mean, I can watch Choke on YouTube. Yeah. The, I can watch a ton of documentaries on YouTube. I can watch a ton of shows on YouTube. Yeah. I can occasionally catch a movie which someone has illegally uploaded, a UFC fight. Never it's, seen it. It's a great place. And I, I've been telling people this since starting the podcast. is like there is no audio version of YouTube. Like everything is you like. You said that. I, I was thinking about when the only one would be like SoundCloud. Okay, so you would think that. SoundCloud is the no first place I went to host a podcast. Yeah. And they're like, hey, yeah, great. Make your account. We're going to host your podcast. And guess how much uh, space they give me per month. Yeah, you told me it was a fraction of something. Three hours. We're at 228 right now. But to my, well, hold on. They just changed their, I have one video <laughs> on YouTube of noteworthiness. As a million views. Yeah. Uber, Uber, yeah. Uber racist driver. Racist Uber racist driver. Uber driver, yeah. <laughs> Which is... Um, Uber racist driver. It's like... Yeah, Uber... Yeah. Yeah. Racist but, uh, Uber driver. I have 400 sus subscribers or something like that. And they won't monetize shit now until you have 4,000. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or 1,000, yeah. 4,000, something. A, it could be 4,000. It yeah. could be... Um, I forget what it is. I'm not sure. I have a few YouTube pages. I think I was just telling you, like, I have a member website, and I thought about just making it all open. Because what I can do is, like... Dude, you should, with all your pot. Yeah, fucking open it exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. For for our, our kickboxing people is the only one I might do, like, a, hey, I invite you to view this playlist, because it's going to be, like, 20, 25 people, and um, maybe more. But uh, it's, like, a, it's we put our curriculum on there. And that's the only the only program or anything I offer that's like could be taken out of context, like because like we just started our curriculum over the last three months. Yeah. And this three months we're on to like what there's like eighteen what we call blocks, where it's like, hey, this combo is in this this it's a theme. Yeah. It's like it's like us doing mount. Mm -hmm. And um, so like right now we're doing cross hook cross hook cross hook stuff. Like cross across rear leg kick, uh, you know stuff stuff of that nature, and um, <clears throat> I don't want people to take it out of context. I mean, I'm showing like kind of somewhat random techniques that fit in the thematic block of information. But I, YouTube, unfortunately, I can do that playlist as unlisted, and invite the people that are in the kickboxing classes. Like, hey, just subscribe, just find the playlist and click on it, and I will confirm you just like a, our Facebook group or whatever. So like I've social media has kind of made it possible to go away from like, I pay a lot of money for, for web hosting. I think I was talking to you about that earlier. 
And I do, like right now, currently, I have a lot of websites. I have four websites. I have a website for the nonprofit, the martial arts site, uh, the, uh, f- we just like our fitness kit boxing, yoga, boot camps, all of that's on its own site. But, um, and then, uh, member website, nonprofit, yeah, and then the member website, that's the fourth website. So, like, I was like, well, I'm not going to host But there's it. also all your porn. Yes. Yes, my personal uh, yeah, your, videos, your, which I star yeah. in. Yeah, your solo your videos. Your solo Me starring. in front of the MacBook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Or the iPhone. I mean, yeah. w- w- you know, whatever. You got multiple angles. Sometimes you get the, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, I totally. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. This is like <laughs> that was a left hook. No, I was thinking about <laughs> masturbating to my cell phone, and uh, they got distracted. So like, Yeah, Um Man, I can't imagine. I was telling you last night about Joe Rogan being on that podcast with those uh, two girls on oh, the yeah. podcast. Guys. And they we just fucked. started it with like, yeah, uh, so anyway, I got this new dildo and I, like I found my G-spot in my butthole. And then you're like, Dude, I mean, like, I can't even tell you. Start? I've, yeah. I've maybe never even heard a woman say the words anal orgasm. <laughs> 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 but like I mean like literally like uh, I had a buddy of mine text me I told you this like the Joe Rogan where uh, Eddie Bravo and him are t- they, he, Eddie Bravo's on and like literally in the first 60 seconds like Tower 7 you know I don't and it's yeah. just like oh this is gonna be a yeah, good one like, alright <laughs> yeah yeah like I'm focusing I'm gonna turn off my uh, cell phone I'm gonna listen to this yeah man you know um, I don't want to in any, in any way rip Joe Rogan off but that was a major inspiration. Like, at some point, I stopped watching normal stuff and started watching a lot of podcasts. And I watched. You know, it's more interesting. I think I think it's our age, though, to a degree, because um, when you're a kid, you want rock and roll, you want music, and then when you get a little bit older, you switch to AM. You want fucking talk radio. Know, you want to right? hear people's opinion. You want to hear arguments. You want to hear intellect. Let's talk politics. You know, before like fucking twenty eight years old, you don't give a shit about politics. But now you're like, no, fucking, let's talk about social this. Let let's go. And so I don't know if it's a it's an age thing, but um, it is. It's a nice form of media because one, it's unregulated, and you can do whatever the fuck you want, and you don't have the Federal Trade Commission. You're not doing it over broadcast, whatever. Did you watch the uh, FCC lady on Joe Rogan recently? Speaking of Joe Rogan, I did not. It's a very uh, worthy watch. Her name is her last name is Rosen Worsel. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Wait, I can't can't forget. I don't know shit. what's m- more uh, entertaining the her name the way you say it or your face when you say Rosen Worsel. Yeah, um, but I mean it's like a forty something year old lady yeah. with a couple of kids, but very intellectual and talks about like uh breaks down the whole net neutrality fcc oh yeah She's I on to watch the FCC. That. it's really yeah. it's a really good worthy no i need episode. that because um you know th- people are dumb when yeah you guys can all hate me for saying that but unfortunately that is uh it i might would be assert true. that is a true statement <laughs> it may be a true statement you know oh, actually i'm not going to say people are dumb people are highly intellectual however uh, people are illiterate. And That's a great way to put it. No, it's true though. And they um, can read, but they can't like. They don't critically. understand. They don't understand. There's context to the meaning of the words, and there's definitions of words, and they'll they'll pick up things and they'll associate things with other things, but they're not 
understanding what the intent of the author is. So what they do is they listen to other opinions about the thing and they associate it with what other things and they don't actually look at what the context facts. yeah they don't no they don't it's not even facts they don't even actually understand what that sentence means so they get analogies and associate and now the original text is construed and misconstrued and associated with these other things and so that sentence is now that which means this and then you're often left filled no that sentence meant that sentence in its own right you just didn't understand it probably because there was words in there that you didn't actually know the meaning of, but you associate with other words. And then you just, bup, 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 you go down left field. And so people like, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, Cor, I will say this. Core is a super, super, like she 4.0 since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. The smartest, one of the smartest people I know. Yeah. Uh, fortunately for me. Uh, and sometimes unfortunately for me. <laughs> but um, she took a class called History England, and the professor is very strict. And um, it was all about classroom discussion. That's the way this class was ran. It was all like everybody's going to participate. And she called on Cora, and Cora made an A in this class and just killed it in this class. But one day, like, she like was like, hey, you know, uh, what blah, 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 do you think about that on the readings? And Cora, like, gives her deal and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, what about this? And Cora's like, I don't, I don't know about that. And she's like, well, that is a, a word in your reading that you didn't look up. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you look that word up? And, like, basically accosted her on the spot. And this is probably the only time that uh, maybe the second time Cora told me about the story in eighth grade where, like, this football coach of mine kind of, like, didn't give her an A or something. And... She was. She's still very upset about it because Cora's per- <laughs> perfect four point student yeah. all the way, and uh, but it was like, how many times do we come across a ro- a word or con- uh, concepts are a little more theoretical, but like a word where like word. we we don't know the meaning of it, and we could go read the definition of the meaning of it and derive ourselves to a concept from there. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was uh, something, and like Cora is, is a very smart person, and. Um, Killed it in this class. In this class, I was like, I don't know if you should take this class. This, this professor's a great person, and I really like her, but God damn. <laughs> you know, it's uh, she's very, very strict, very hard class. I never took this professor for class because I was, like, worried I would make a B in the class or some shit. Yeah. But uh, well, I totally get what you're saying. What, what, what's complicated about the English language specifically is that one word can represent ten concepts. So, hey, um, I want you to go sound the pool. Okay, so you might go get speakers and fucking jam out and, like, dunk speakers in there and electrocute yourself. Definition of the word sound, a definition, is to check the depth of. By lowering, you know, whether it's a stick or a string, you check the depth of. So please sound the pool. But there was a seemingly normal word that you didn't understand, so you invent this whole other thing that has nothing to do with the, the actual concept. Through association, yeah. Yeah, or uh, other constructs or whatever. But uh, the most misunderstood words are the most common. To, is, if, to, for, but, be, if, and, those words. Which some of those words are the most common logic words. Uh, is, therefore... Yeah. Um, it, uh, Here if to then. for if then. Yeah. 
but they do mean something. And if you don't understand them, you're not going to understand the rest of the concept. But then there's words like justice or confront or uh, you can pick any word. And if you don't know what that is, you think, I think, Brian, like, okay, let's talk about the word man. All man is created equal. Okay, and I'm going to, I picked that word specifically because is it, it gender related or human related? Right. Okay, a word is um, a physical thing. It's, it's a, a mouth symbol. sound. It's a mouth sound, but it's a mouth sound or a written uh, set of characters that represents a concept. A word is not the thing. A word is not antagonistic. A word is, it's a word is something that represents a concept in your mind. Man means the human species. One definition. Another definition is like a thing with a dick. You know, it fucks a lot. It's like you know, an asshole like you and I. You know what's funny is when you were talking today, because I noticed myself doing this, and I was like, fuck, I got to stop doing this. I think about it all the time, but I'll be like, okay, guys, we're going to oh, do the, the arm bar. The, the guys. Or like guys. you say guys, or you say, all right, the guys on bottom. Yeah. Or whatever. Like you said that at one point in the seminar yeah. today, and uh, you're like, all right, the guys on bottom. And I was like, man. Like I totally like I've just been thinking about that. Maybe one maybe shouldn't maybe shouldn't say that. Maybe say but, person. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, person. Mammal. Okay, mammal a on the bottom. Mammal. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: if I say man's best friend is or mankind, I am not excluding women. I am not denigrating women. I am taking a word that has a definition that's known and written and should be understood by females and men and gender neutral people. Uh, general ne neutral people alike it doesn't mean males with cocks and balls it means all of humanity but if you were not taught that you take it out of context and you associate it to mean something else and now you get offended because you're ignorant anyway so well see here's another example like uh, my dad is actually who taught me this but uh, like you just said ignorant and that would be like a lot of people are going to interpret that to be like, hey, bro, you're dumbass. No. But it means you ignored the facts or you ignored the – I mean, what's the root word there? Ignore and You are not privy to this information. You're, just not, you're not yeah. paying attention. Right. Like uh, you misinterpreted it or whatever. But my dad told me that early, early on in my life. Like he's like, well, ig ignorant – like when you say ignorant, people think you're insulting them. But it just like I'm, I'm saying it, and like you're, you've ignored the facts. You've ignored. Yeah, the, you're not the aware of the or... fact that this, this also thing happens. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, anyway, I could come up with a bunch of examples of like way that words can be misunderstood, and because of that, you then your understanding of what was written, what was actually communicated, have nothing to do with each other. The guy could have the most politically correct. Oh, uh, there was an example of. It comes, is it Kent, the philosopher Kent? Um, Candide? No, Kant, K-A-N-T, Kant. Kant, uh, Kant, Immanuel Kant. Yeah. Um, or Kant, I, there, don't, I don't know how you say it, but yeah. Immanuel. There was a guy, Rumsfeld, he was uh, part of the Bush administration war yeah. guy. He gave this speech about the knowable and the unknowable, which comes down to basic like philosophy and things like that. There's, there are things that are known, and there's things that will always be unknowable. Like there are things that are unknowable. 
Well, yeah, there's universal truths and there's things. Self-evident truths and there's unknowable truths. And then there's just shit that we won't know. But this guy, I remember my friend, his name's Felipe. He's like, oh, my God, look at this fucking idiot. Watch this video. (laughs) He's just having this orgasm about, because the guy's like, look, there's noble and unknowable. But he said the word noble and unknowable. And if you didn't know the context and what that word meant, his speech is gobbledygook. It's absurd. If you knew what those two words meant, two words meant, it was a very highly intellectual Kant, Socrates. It was a high-level discussion. It was like, look, we're in the field of this, and there's noble and there's unknowable, and we're working the noble, unknobles. And the, and the, but anyway, you, you track it down, and it was a very intellectual talk about things. But this fucking idiot didn't know the difference between noble and unknowable. He's like, <laughs> this guy sounds like a retard. <laughs> look how dumb he is. What does unknowable he mean? motherfucker. Yeah, and I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. And he's like, wait, what? I'm like, here's what noble is. Here's what unknowable is. Watch it again. He's like, <laughs> oh, well, why did he oh. fucking just say it in the first place, bro? I'm like, he did. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Um, you ever you ever listen to any, um, you mentioned the, uh, the, what is colloquial called the mushroom guy. Who I've, I've talked to about on the podcast, Paul Stamets. He was on Drew Sell and Joe Rogan. Oh, about the, the mushrooms and your immune system and things yeah, like that? Yeah, neurogenesis and, uh, and what have you. But I feel like some people listen to things like that. I listened to that guy and I was like, wow, I'm going to go buy these legal mushrooms that only grow in Asia. Yeah. And take those and that's going to make me think about things more better. More better. And... Uh, but some people are like, this dude's just a fucking druggy, you know, psychedelic, blah, 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 blah. Well, it, go on. No, it, well, and, and, and he was uh, ironically on Joe Rogan about calling calling mushroom shrooms. Oh, yeah. Which I was just like, well, yeah, this dude's heart isn't seemingly in the right place. But uh, uh, <laughs> fascinating how people interpret things initially because they don't know basic things like vocabulary terms. Right. Yeah. You know, here's the here's the here's the funniest thing about we can wrap this up soon. I know you, I know it's a little uh, bit long. Yeah, man, we uh we're at 2:45. You go as long as you want, my man. Man, I got 10 more hours. Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to do it probably less until, you know, 11 a.m. It's like what is that? 10:18. Dude, I got it's 12, not even midnight. Dude, I got I got 11 13 more hours. I've never done a 3 or 4 hour podcast. So I feel like once we hit the three, I'll like give you the high sign. Like, you can just keep going as long as you want. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we were talking about words. Uh, it, it's interesting. A, a word is a concept. A, a word is a symbol that represents an idea or it represents an a mouth action. Sound. It's a mouth sound. Or it's not always a mouth sound. It's a written thing. But that's not the thing. That is a symbol, and a, a, a mouth sound is a symbol. A symbol is a thing that represents something else. So a written word or a vocalized word is a mouth sound or a written thing that takes the place of an action or takes the place of a thought or a feeling or something like that. But um, they, they easily can be misunderstood. There's a lot of words that people use that they just don't know the definition of. Granted. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Probably so, uh, everybody. 
Yeah, but so when you're trying to communicate and you use a mouth sound or a written mouth sound, to use your words. Well, uh, it, I mean, it could be it could be a drawing of a symbol. Like this tattoo on my the back of my arm, for example, is uh, if you grew that in straight lines instead of circular lines, that would mm-hmm. be one of those Aleister Crowley symbols I was talking to you about earlier. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it could be a symbol, and the symbol means the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, or whatever. You know, um, which is fascinating to me. It could be a sound. It could be, I, I see a verb, and I'm like, well, that means to this, and to this means da 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 da. da. Most people don't even know what the word verb means. Sadly, they don't know what a preposition is. They don't know a noun. They don't know an adverb. They don't know a verb. They and they don't know anyway. We could go. We could go down the, like the parts of speech. Nobody knows that shit. And if they do, they can robotically repeat it. A verb is a word that shows action or a state of being. Yeah, well, what does state of being mean? What does that Even mean? Even the logic, man. Well, if this didn't, therefore, it's just memorization at yeah. that point. Yeah. And that, well, and here's what, here's what happens when you don't understand is you memorize and you parrot. You just repeat? You just say I the things to get in the habit of that. And I will say, sadly, I, being a jiu-jitsu instructor or well, you know what? Sorry, Actually, I do that accidentally sometimes let me let me let me interrupt you and give you a real life definition or example of you said i we pay word homage or what was the thing that was said today lip service lip service to these things i see it all the time in jiu-jitsu yes posture yes jack technique. told me about connection Dude, I see guys like this with their head down, arched back, hands here, and they're like, yes, this is posture. posture. And I was like, <laughs> that is a Get posture. Get your fucking shoulders <laughs> back, bro. No, that is a posture, and I could sound like the most Hickson black belt ever. I'm like, yes, this is connect. Yes, I'm in the middle. Yes, this is posture. And I could be doing all of it wrong. None of it represents what he's trying to communicate with when he says, yeah, here's good posture. You want your weight distributed that way, blah, blah, blah. So when you don't understand, because I went through this, um, I went through this in third grade studying grammar. Adverb. It's a word that describes an adjective or another adverb. Yeah, you start yawning. You don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. (laughs) But here's what I did as a kid, and I got an A on the test. An adverb is a word that describes a verb or another adverb. Give me an example, and I could just give you two examples out of the book. See, I could always do examples. Yeah, because you don't know what it means. I'm like, what does it fucking mean? What is a noun? It's a person. It's a place. It's a thing. See, so at what point do you, like for you today, uh-huh. examples made me understand the concept. And sure. I left there not understanding things, then that's why this next time. But I feel like in general education, especially at the high school pre-level, like let's say eighth grade, there's none of that. There's none of it's just like yeah, hey, memorize it, fucking put it on the test. Well, that's the thing. You you memorize it. You 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 fake it till you make it. You just say the things they want you to hear. You fucking glaze over. And there there's an a point like in jujitsu today. You can understand the weight, and you put the weight there. You can do it, and then you can actually make it work because you really understand you, it. You know, you you're the fir- you're the first person that told me about distributional weight. Okay. I mean, but how about other this? people did, but like you're like, hey, this is a big concept, and here are the six different places that you think about it. Cool. Yeah. But how about this? Today, you switch your hips. Your weight was way the fuck over here or over here. 
and then you step over and you were fast enough to fool your opponent or you didn't understand it. But then you go, Jack Toffer said that Hickson said, or Hickson said, you just wait, repeat this, it. yeah, and you just repeat it, and you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You don't know why. You don't understand the See, meaning. It would be easy to fall in that trap, and I will tell you today, if I hadn't been working with a fourth degree black belt on the side, which I was honored to do, like, wait, and I, dude, that guy's a fucking pimp, man. That guy's man, awesome. and I will say this, like, you did so awesome at coming over. It's like I, I don't, need, I would never want. Fortunately for me in my line of work. I never deal with higher ranks. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? But you did such a good job about coming over. I mean, Dring's a fourth degree bite belt and a legit fourth degree bite belt. Oh, like, yeah, like I feel legit. I feel like he's No, like I, I I really liked working with him today. It inspired me and I like I said Two of maybe the four total seminars I've been at that he was on the mat. I mean, cause yeah, dude, he had his second hip replacement since I've known him. I know. And was coming off of his first hip replacement and the surgery on the second one before he had it replaced. Mm. So to see him on the mat doing that is such an inspiration. Yeah. And uh, to get to work with him even more so, because it's usually Caleb getting to work. Caleb would have been there today. I'm sure Caleb yeah, would have worked with him. Yeah, him up. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, he wants to... Dude, dude is jacked. I mean, like, his shoulder's fucked up. His knee's fucked but, up. Okay, so let, let's circle back to this concept. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. He understands weight distribution. He didn't just reiterate words that I said. What he did was, he's like, no, I understand the concept. Dude, let me help you understand it too. And so um, going back to like education and things like that, you can reiterate words based on memorization, but no fucking understanding. So um, that was in a physical science today, but in uh, an understanding of context of words, people don't know what words mean. They don't know what words mean. And so what they do is they... Parrot back the shit that you think that, like adverb. It's a word that describes a verb and another adverb. Oh, well, that's an A. Give me an example. The red car. Red. The very red car. Very describes red, which is an adjective. Uh, I forgot adjective. It's a word that describes an adjective, adjective a verb, the only thing or I another understood. verb. <laughs> Fine. Anyway, so I omitted some shit out of the definition of adverb. But an adverb is a word that describes an adjective or another adverb, whatever. A very, now I'm going to sound like a fucking idiot and a condescending cunt because I've had a little bit too much crown royale. A word that describes a verb, an adjective, or another adverb, but I do understand it. Like if you gave me a sentence, the very red car. Car's a noun. Red's an adjective describing the car. Very describes a red that describes a car. Or the very, very red car. Very. So that's, anyway. You're a smart motherfucker. I mean, I gotta. I gotta no, I'm dumb as rocks. Do you know how many times I've been chucked out? I think you're just playing that shit off, man. I'm not gonna lie. You're one of the smartest people I know. You're a liar and you're drunk. You blow my mind every time we hang out. I think this Even is if we're talking about jujitsu or, or other shit, adverbs. <laughs> Prepositions. This is all eighth grade science to me, and I don't remember any of it. Right. I mean, I do, but I'm like, oh, that's a pleasant review, and I'm impressed that you remember it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's called a rap. Adverbs, yeah. Let's fucking adverb the shit. Well, out of yeah, this. we're we're two fifty three in, um, yep. two fifty four now. Actually, um, I think we set the record on the longest podcast. I mean, uh, oh, we're close to three hours, right? We're close to three hours. Do you uh, think I should like try to hold my breath for six minutes? Six minutes. Go.
I don't want to do it. Oh, it's actually, actually only five minutes and 45 seconds. Okay, if I turn blue and die, call the cops. I'll wake you I up. I mean, okay. The dog I'll, will lick your face. Mouth, mouth. Oh, he would actually wake me out of that. <laughs> or you trying to do mouth mouth would resuscitate me from the dead. I'm alive. Um, <laughs> I'm alive. Get off of me. Oh, too funny, man. Well, dude, um, I really appreciate you coming out to Dude, I fucking Arkansas. love being here. Yeah. You know that I love being here, right? Man, I'm so glad, too, because uh, it, it's pure happenstance that we met and became friends. It's pure happenstance that you traveled to Arkansas and met one of my best friends ever, who unfortunately couldn't make it today, Mike Page. But, uh, you know, I will say this. I mean, in on multiple levels, like, as soon as I met you, I was like, well, this dude is a rad motherfucker. Like I, I could, I could be friends with this guy, and that's why I can listen to what he has to say. Go, cool. you know. And uh, if if you haven't listened to this, the uh, Jack Taufer, I, I I refer your videos constantly. I was sharing them this week, and it doesn't matter if it's a Budo videos video or what. What is your guy's name that puts out the vlogs? I know he's done yeah, at least uh, one Ryan, video. Ryan Young. Ryan, Ryan Young. Young. Yeah. Common Jiu Jitsu vlog. Uh, check that out. Uh, because man, anytime you talk, anytime, and I'm honored to have you on the podcast. Anytime you talk, anytime you have something to say, I love listening to it. And it, it honestly, man, it gets. And apologies if I interrupt you, but it gets my, it gets my mind firing. Good. I, I get to, I get to thinking about stuff, and n that's special. Not yeah. everybody can do that. Not everybody can inspire somebody to want to learn something like jujitsu. Yeah. Or you colloquial to say martial arts because. I almost hate calling what you bring to the table and what Hickson brings to the table jujitsu because so many people in the modern sense think about jujitsu that grappling art. Mm -hmm. But he's like Hickson said something about the Vegas seminar. He's like, I don't have to strike, but I have to think about strikers. Mm. You know, I don't have to, to be a boxer. I have to think about how to deal with boxers. Right. And you you, you operate you labor under the same oh. sort of synapses. So tomorrow. Uh, here, write a note down. For sure. Um, of uh, I used to have this uh, in the last private I took with Hickson. He was like, I call it the oh robot hands of death. Just write that robot hands of death. <laughs> okay, fucking. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you about robot hands of death. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you, and I'm Always very happy pleasure, to chat with you. I'm actually. This was fun to just chat, but more importantly, I was very happy to be here. Uh, well, in man, Arkansas. I was, hope this can. Um, why? Why I got into pod, Why I wanted to get into podcast for a long time is I hope that they can serve for a resource for my students or future future generations of people. I mean, we talked about everything from education to jujitsu to drugs, Mor Mormonism, and drugs. Yeah. That's why I went with the term, uh, which actually Mike Page. I was like, hey, dude, I'm gonna start a podcast. Yeah. You got any ideas? And he's one of the first people I go to. And he actually gave me the name of my gym, Forza Martial Arts. He's like, dude, yeah, I just me. just recently got onto this concept called Forza. Yeah. And and um, it's a Portuguese word. It means this. And I was like, oh, What does man. it mean again? It means strength in Portuguese. Strength, yeah. Because alavanca is what the Gracie boys are running with, and that's leverage. Interesting. Do uh, you know how to spell that? I yeah, alavanca. A-L-A-V-A-C-A. Alavanca. Interesting. Yeah. Portuguese is fascinating. Sure, the, all the because sh well, it's really it's actually pronounced Porsche. 
Because, you know, the little accent on the C, and I may be mispronouncing that, but it's in the neighborhood. I feel like it was perfect enunciation. Yeah, but Mike is to thank for that. Mike's to thank for me knowing who you are. So uh, thanks, and, uh, thanks for not coming to the seminar today, Mike. It's not a big deal. Yeah, no, dude, I was actually very grateful you're not present. Yeah, you know, and um, very grateful you didn't call or text us back. <laughs> no, I'm glad that I didn't have to talk to you this time. Uh, yeah, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on. So uh, podcasting, teaching seminars, etc. But man, I uh, just want to say to uh, love you, bro. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being a part of my life. Thanks for coming to teach wedding seminars and taking the time out of your life and uh, to come down and, and share with my students, man, because it almost means more to me I, in a very uh, selfish kind of way. You're here so I can, because I love your jujitsu. I love. You're about to make me tear up, man. Let's man, get, me too. Let's get this you, off camera. I love. Uh, I'm going to hug it out, but I don't want it on camera. I tell this to people and it's no disrespect to any of my coaches. I love, I mean, dude, my, my head coach married my wife and I. Yeah, I know. I was I, there. I love both. Yeah, you were. And I'm so <laughs> glad you were. And I love both those dudes so much. But And they've taught me so much. But And it's just it's like uh, uh, Ben Askren was saying this the other day on Joe Rogan. Or not Ben Askren. Um, John Donahue. He's like, you know, you spend a really limited amount of time with people. And they they just make a they maximum amount yeah, of impact. Like, uh, you're right. And I'll say that, bro. Like, uh, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, that's Jack. Cool. You know, and I'll say that you... In Hickson, too. Like, I've only spent four hours total amount of time with that dude, give or take. And I can't tell you what a maximum amount of influence I made on my journey in martial arts and jiu-jitsu. It's not even just jiu-jitsu. It's like I was talking about him, how he thinks about boxing, how he thinks about this or that. And I have boxers, I have people that kickbox. I've had people that boxed and kickboxed in the last three months mm-hmm. competitively in the MMA. My wife does MMA. As soon as I do MMA. And uh, tons of people that do jiu-jitsu competition. Yeah. So I'm always, uh, I'm always thinking about that stuff. And man, you have, you showed me more about just the concepts. It doesn't matter. Like techniques don't mean dick. Yeah, it's a concept that you can apply to other shit. And it's, and it's not as simple as, and I, whether or not that's the only, but like Donahue's four-step model or whatever. Yeah, which I want to talk to you about off camera. But you've taught me more about just jiu-jitsu. Just cool. the way to think about things, the way to be, the way to teach your students. I mean, it's not like we were talking about multiple intelligence earlier. It's not just like, oh, yeah, my, my Brian Wilson's game has gotten better. It's that my student, like I have a Jeff Woods who's like uber intellectual, like this guy's my mentor outside mm-hmm. of jujitsu. And really the way he thinks about jujitsu is inspiring to me. And, uh, man, like every time I go, I roll in with something like that's what Jack taught me. And I was so the last time, um, I trained to one of my purple belts. He didn't get to come to the seminar today or last time, or maybe he came last time, but he didn't come today. But I want to say I'd just been training with you in California, but I came back and I was like, I only taught your stuff that week. Yeah. And he's like, I can tell when you've been training with black belts. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, and yeah. he just generalized it down to like, you know, and I was like, because he knew I'd been training with you. He knew I'd been at your house. He knew I'd been in your garage or whatever. And uh, he's like, dude, you roll differently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's because I think about things differently. Mm-hmm. And, man, I have you to thank for that. I have you to thank for being humble enough 
to not be like a Tyron Woodley or whoever else and be like, man, I don't have time for you. Like a Rashad Evans? Yeah, <laughs> just be like, yeah, dude, you're cool, but, you know, you seem like a nice guy. But, like, a lot of people are nice people and get the fuck out of here. Right. But, man, I, I truly appreciate you for taking the time to uh, forge your friendship. So it, was my, it was my pleasure and it was my honor. Awesome. Yeah. And we're over, we're three hours and two minutes, so we can Good. officially sign off. Okay, um, I was wondering why you were talking so long. You hadn't made it to the uh, three hours. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, man, uh, again, thanks. And uh, thanks for coming out. Thanks for being on the podcast. And uh, we'll see you soon, my friend. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.